Hey everybody, it's uh, Stephanie Old World Gamer, along with Scott Devin Kane. Welcome to the Retro Indie Pixels podcast. <laughs> yeah, we are back again, probably with a updated title. Just you know, saying. Yeah, yeah the thumbnail. I've been I've been putting the thumbnail off his show instead of podcast. <laughs> Anyways, I'm gonna get all that changed. That's not a big deal. But hey, it's uh, all good. We are changing up the podcast slightly. Uh, we're eliminating game deals. The big reason being that uh, by the time a lot of you get to listen to the podcast, those deals are gone. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. hey guys, here's the stuff you missed out on. Ha <laughs> uh, ha! Yeah. But no, <laughs> uh, we're going to change it up. We're going to actually feature topics now. Uh, and from once in a while, we're, we're probably going to throw in a review here and there. Uh I've also had the thought of maybe possibly getting someone else to join us for the podcast, maybe once or twice a month, and they'll specifically just review one game, a retro game or an indie game, and that way we kind of keep something, you know, keep going with that kind of... Uh, keep it keep it nice and fresh. Yeah. <clears throat> so, anyways, another new thing that was, I guess, it's going to be new for today at least, is Scott's going to be reviewing a game. A game that he, he never he doesn't know much is. he doesn't know much about it at all. I can guarantee it. Uh, I don't know anything. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, I will be doing. I will be reviewing uh, Bloodstained: Ritual of the Night. First thing. I uh, yeah, I played a little bit of it. So at this point, yeah. So all right, uh, starting it off, we're just gonna go right right into the review for Bloodstained right off the bat. So, for those of you who haven't been listening to me for the last five years, uh, Busted and Ritual of the Night was a Kickstarter game created by the team spearheaded by the Castlevania god himself, Koji Igarashi. His dream was to make his own Igarvania game now that he's no longer employed by Konami, and the Kickstarter for the project made over $1.5 million in its first day alone, making $5.5 million overall, which at the time was the largest crowdfunded game of all time. After a few development delays, the game released June 18, 2019 for PC, Xbox One, and PS4, and released on the Switch June 25th. Uh, this review is going to be primarily about the PC version purchased on Steam, since I don't own the other platforms, so I will, be, I will not be covering the other systems. Now, as you know, I am a Castlevania fan, and mainly a Metroidvania fan. And I want to give you this review as impartially as I possibly can. I've given each portion of the game a score out of 50 so that I can more accurately come up with the final score as possible. I'll also give you this review with as few spoilers as possible. Given, my, uh, given the game fine-toothed comb, and this is Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Story. Takes, the game takes place in 19th century somewhere. The main protagonist, Miriam, was a part of an experiment by the Alchemist Guild, who infuses humans with what are called shards, allowing demonic powers but slowly consuming its host's body. These people are called shardbinders by the guild. Another, another shardbinder by the name of Jebel bonds with Miriam and keeps her from losing her humanity. Fast forward, the Alchemist Guild, in fear of losing its funding from the church, uses the Shardbinders to summon demons as a sort of scare tactic, but end up bringing forth a whole mess of demons. Jubal, who was supposed to be the sacrifice of this ritual, ends up mysteriously surviving. 
and Miriam ends up not being used in the ritual as she falls into a mysterious sleep. Fast forward another 10 years, and Miriam awakes to find that Jeebel is heading a demonic army. And it's up to her to stop, with the aid of her alchemist friend Johannes, her friend's tirade once and for all. For what it's worth, the story is new, but frankly, comes off a little weak at times. The shards are supposed to be dangerous, demonic powers that slowly consume Miriam, but this never again comes up in the story, other than the small snippets in a conversation with Jeebel later on in the game. She willy-nilly gains powers and shards, and it never seems to affect her, morally or physically. I feel this would have been a good place to slowly but surely change the physical appearance of Miriam over time, but it's never explored. Other than that small complaint, the story actually progresses quite well, never keeping you out of the story loop for too long. With multiple character building elements between Miriam's allies, you'll find yourself bonding with the characters rather quickly. And then there are a few characters that you disconnect with quickly, but that kind of can be said about any game. I very much enjoyed the story of Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, even if some of the aspects of it were slightly predictable because of my <coughs> history with Metroidvania games. Mm -hmm. The game tends to blatantly er, plagiarize Symphony of the Night and Ari of Sorrow, but there's enough to keep you happy with the game. Score for, score for story, 41 out of 50. Okay. Graphics. This is where I'm seeing most of the complaints about the game. And I'm not really sure where it, all these folks are coming from. Graphically, the art style of this game is gorgeous. Everything's in its place, and beautifully done so. The cell shading of the game never brings you out of any of the atmospheres, and every area seems like it's its own little world. And everything is thought of. When the moonlight through a window hits Miriam, she'll cast a shadow against the ground. When an enemy is hit with a bladed weapon, its blood will spray across the walls of the ground. Each weapon is, that's used is very detailed, and they all look great, and Miriam's movement with each weapon is masterfully done. Now, I will uh, bring up to everybody that uh, anyone who has any issues with the way the graphics are looking right now, this is a 480 uh, video right now, so right. It's, it's not 1080. So you're yeah. going to see you know edging and stuff like that, and little extra pixels and such, but... Other than that, yeah, no, it's yeah. it's good gameplay, and it, and it does look really nice. Yeah, but, but as with everything, there are still some flaws. I've found myself several times, even on the PC version, where there would be enough on the screen to cause frame rate issues. <clears throat> this is very few and far between, and not enough to warrant a complaint. I do hear that there is a lot of frame rate issues on the Switch version, and as I've not and probably will not play that version, I have very little to complain about. There was a single instance of raiding a tome causing a crash, but after that one time, it never happened again. See, that's something that they should have addressed, but at this point in time, with how much money went into this game, and with where we are in regards to developing games, big things like this should not have any lag issues. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. Yeah. Uh, the problem that, that that that's with that is that I've heard that they they actually it put into the game like a hard frame rate cap, which is like, Ugh. eh, I'm not really sure why that was done. But um, Bloodstained is it's a beautifully made <coughs> game, visual eye candy, and a masterpiece for the Metroidvania genre. Uh, my final graphic score for it: 46 out of 50. Hmm. Sound and music. Now, let me get something straight. 
When it comes to Metroidvania games, the music and the sound of the game is of utmost importance. I mean, the game was called Symphony of the Night for a reason, right? So the game has set a standard as to what Metroidvania games should be, and it's the reason why I have always rated Harmony of Dissonance lower on the totem pole of all other Metroid or Metroidvania games. If you've ever played Harmony of Dissonance, the sound is very, <coughs> very grainy, and it's it's not high on it's not high on its on its sound. So, oh boy, does this game absolutely not disappoint at all? Musically, anyway, I can count. I cannot count the number of times I was jamming out to the soundtrack of this game. And 100% of the time sets the mood for every area that you're in. It is a masterpiece of a soundtrack and worth and very worthy of having an OST made for it. It's that good. Again, it's not without its flaws. There are a few times where sound effects became worrisome and repetitive, but this is a flaw of Metroid video games as a whole, so I won't be too harsh for it. For the most part, ambience and activated sound effects are mostly great and again set the mood for the gothic horror setting it's in. That tone then there's, and then there's the voice acting. You'd think with guys like David Hayter, who plays Zengetsu, and Rod Belgrad, who is the voice of Alucard in Symphony of the Night playing the librarian OD, that this would have been a voiceover masterpiece. And ho 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 is it not. Every bit of voice acting in this game feels painfully forced, and almost no conversation seems like it wasn't read directly off a script. I will give Robert Belgrad a pass here. His, rendi his rendition of OD was spot on, and I never felt that way about him. But for everybody else, oh, good gravy. Getting past all the voice acting, the game sounds great. Would listen again. Okay. So, final score for music and sound, 45 out of 50. Control. I can't say anything, or very little, bad about the controls of this game. I feel that I absolutely never, and I mean not once, have I ever felt like I wasn't in control of my destiny. Everything ran smoothly, and every time something happened in the game, I never once found myself blaming control, even with a mechanic as potentially complicated as invert the ability the invert ability was. Anytime I wanted to use it, I never struggled. Learning new abilities and how they worked with controls took very little time and many of them were mastered quickly. The single complaint that I have with the game's controls were the PS4 controllers sometimes were a little difficult to access the map with. Many times, I found myself hitting the wrong button on the controller, as the legend for the map controls were hidden away in an extra menu within the map. There were many, many times I found myself accidentally creating map markers when I didn't intend to. But when map troubles are the only complaint that you have on controls, that's kind of saying something. This may be a slight this might be the slight bit of bias that I give, given that I'm a long-time Metrovania player, but this seems to be the best, if not one of the best, Metroidvania games out there for control. Final score, 40 out of 50. <coughs> Damn. Gameplay. Most of the game was great. 
Exploring the gigantic map of the game offered was a pleasure, and the sections never felt too small or forced on you. Every area was a nice change of pace, and the main goal was never out of sight, no matter how much you wanted to explore. Pacing was also well done for most of the game, as very rarely did I ever find myself confused as I was at what I was supposed to be doing. If I ever found myself unable to access an, uh, an area, it's because I knew I had to explore other places and possibly find the new item or ability that would allow me access. This did become very cryptic at the end of the game, however, and finding the true ending of the game required a lot of backtracking back and map completion. There is a single treasure chest that is very missable, that is imperative to completing the game, and was the single time I ever had to ask for help outside of the game to continue. Outside of that small flow quirk, I never struggled with progression. I'm not really going to delve too much into the shard system. It's 100% and almost painfully stolen from Aria of Sorrow. The only difference here is that you can equip four shards instead of three as an Aria. Otherwise, there's really nothing <coughs> new here outside of the shortcut shards, which allow you to quickly switch between different weapon sets, even shard sets amongst the same equipment. There are multiple times where you may need to switch out shards for progression's sake, and shortcuts were a good addition to what it may have been a completely stolen mechanic. Your alchemist friend Johannes will allow you to craft, cook, and upgrade your shards with materials that you find about the castle. While this sounds like fun, this can sometimes be a chore that takes up a lot more time than it needs to. Crafting is just what it sounds like, and cooking is a mechanic that allows you to take food items and put them together to create permanent stat-boosting foods that can also be made later for health-recovering items. Shard upgrading is allowed you to do just that, making some shards' abilities larger in size where it may make other shards' uh, areas of effect longer. Problem here is that it just takes way too long, and I found myself running between the merchant and the alchemist for 10 to 20 minutes at a time. Good. The time here... The time here could have been saved by just having those two people in the same room. Having to traverse two screens between both was just a hassle, and I felt that a lot of the pain of crafting could have been solved by just plopping Johannes and Dominic in the same room. The romp through the castle, even with its alchemical quirks, is an enjoyable one. I found myself having a hard time putting down my controller just because I wanted more. Gameplay, final score, 43 out of 50. Difficulty. I had a hard time at this point. You have to understand something here. I am an avid Metroidvania player, and if you've been paying attention. There have been difficult Metroidvanias, take Hollow Knight for example. There have been painfully easy Metroidvania games, like Shadow Complex, at least in my opinion. Then there's Bloodstained, which I have to slate pretty much in the middle. There were several times that I found myself dying, and I'm not sure if because the save points were too too far spread out, or that you just get absolutely and unmercifully beaten down in this game. For what it's worth, the actual progression would be a breeze if it weren't for that. The game is merciless at times with the amount of damage that you take, especially with bosses. If you are given, you are given very few healing items at times, unless you've done a painful amount of grinding first. To be honest, I'm okay with that. Hmm. May Symphony of the Night be in my top three games of all time? By the <coughs> end of the game, 
You've become so powerful that very little can do anything to you. You're a literal god amongst monsters. Not so much in Bloodstained. Defense seems to do very little, and I never really tested how much damage you would take on armor, because even in the best, I was still getting lit up. This is a breath of fresh air for the game, which generally tends toward the Symphony of the Night side of things, making a character almost unbeatable towards the end of the game. Bottom line, if you're an avid Metro player of Metroidvanias as I am, you probably won't struggle too, too much. For casuals, get that preparation age ready, because, <laughs> you know, you're gonna need it. Difficulty final score, 40 out of 50. Replayability. Alright, this is where I'm gonna have to be slightly biased. I love <coughs> this game, but outside of completion and achievements, there's as much replayability here as any other game in the genre, given that this is a fair score. It's fair score. So giving this a fair score is tough. However, Igarashi has promised 13 pieces of DLC in the future as at the time of this review in June of 2019, and all of these DLC pieces are going to be free, with a Zangetsu mode co-op and co-op play, so perhaps there may be something here that breathes a new life into the game. It's tough to make a Metroidvania game replayable, and Symphony of the Night had the right idea with Richter and Maria modes, making things different for each character. Hopefully Zangetsu and the co-op mode will bring the same thing to this game. Do I think I'm going to pick this game up six months from now and play it over again? Hell yes. Same thing with Symphony of the Night. I can find myself playing this game again and again a future times. It has a built-in speedrun mode. Uh, it has built-in speedrun mode after you beat the game. So this is going to be a plus for some of the players who wish to do so. The game is fun enough to want to come back to it again at a future date. Replayability, 40 out of 50. Entertainment value. Alright. So I went into this game expecting Symphony of the Night. Maybe this wasn't fair from the beginning, but I waited five years for this game, so I had every right to want the most out of this game. So I set the bar extremely <coughs> high. I expected to be entertained by this game, and I expected everything from it. And for what it's worth, I really wasn't disappointed very much. This game is fun as hell, hands down. Knowing it's a Metroidvania, you know what to expect, but this game does things with the genre that haven't been done yet. Collecting shards is fun, never knowing what the next enemy is going to give you. For what it's worth, there are some shards that are blatantly more powerful than others. I'm looking at you, Heretical Grinder. But it doesn't really stop you from being excited every time the screen turns into a colored flower shard. It was rarely a chore, with bosses that weren't too easy, but weren't too unfair. Rarely did I find myself frustrated, but nevertheless enchanted by the castle I was exploring. Hey. Now it's time to be critical. Is this a $40 game? As of the time of this review, before the DLCs, and before anything else has been added to this game, I very painfully have to say no. I think it as at a $30 price tag for the non-physical copy would have been a better price, and maybe slightly higher tag for the physical copies. Don't misunderstand me when I say that paying full price for this game isn't the right idea, but I'm just saying that I felt that there just quite wasn't enough at launch for me to say that it was justified. Knowing that the DLC in the future will all be free, at least the one coming soon, 
this sways me a little more towards being able to accept its current price tag. Without that guarantee, I felt that it might have been a little steep, but I promise you, it's worth the buy. Entertainment score, 45 out of 50. So my final conclusion, alright, I'm going to be honest with you. I expected this to blow Symphony of the Night out of the water. I expected this game to be revolutionary, and expected this to be my new favorite game of all time. I expected... a lot. Did it deliver? Eh, sort of. I think I wanted something that was a little more different than Symphony of the Night and Aria Sorrow sewn together with a female protagonist. Did I have fun nonetheless? Uh, did I have fun nonetheless? Abso-frickin-lutely. Which is why I'm being so harsh on my judgment here. Despite it not completely living up to the expectations that I had for it, it was still a fantastic game. Full of great art, superb gameplay, and what I may say may be the second best OST for a Metrovania ever. I suggest to you all to pick up a copy of this game and give it a try. From an avid gamer down to the novice Metroidvania player, you will have a great time for this game. Final score, 87 out of 100, solid B+. So, what more to say about, about this game? I mean, there were a lot of portions of it. Like, this particular portion right here that's on the screen where, where they were doing the farming portion of it. There were, like, things that they could have done that could have just made, like, so much more happen in the game that just wasn't explored. The, 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 the bounty system for fighting uh, fighting demons and, be, you know, getting rewards for fighting specific demons could have, like, like superbly been explored. But there were just certain parts of it that they just kind of, I feel, missed out on. But then there are other portions of it, like the crafting system, which were, like, which, which was fun, you know? But the problem that with the crafting system, as soon as you made one thing, it just became available at the merchant. So you would never actually have to craft things again. But, again, the gameplay was really good. There were, like, there were a lot of portions of the game where I was just like, wow, this is aesthetically really great. There are, you know, characters in the game like OD. Man, I love OD. You know, he is such an obvious Symphony of the Night reference. I mean... He, he was in the review a little earlier. I was at the library, and you got to see OD there. He's such a cool character. For as little as you get to see of him. It's like... And the fact that he was voiced by Robert Belgrod. I mean, come on. Like... And the fact that it comes with a built-in speedrun mode, you don't even have to do anything special. You could just, like, hey, pop, speedrun. Let's go do it. So... I would say for anybody who is, who has ever played Symphony of the Night, for anybody who's ever enjoyed a Metroidvania game, this game's great, and you really should give it a try. I think they still could have done more with it. I think yeah. that Metroidvanias have come the way that they should have multi-layered maps. What I mean is that you're going through a castle, and you go up, and you go up, and you go up, and you go this way, and you go this way, and you go down. But you never go this way. You never come um, back through. Actually, in the game, you do. In this game, there are, um, like, isometric uh, 2.5D sections of the game. 
Does also show that on the map as like a separate map? Like, hey, you're no. Uh, you Unfortunately, know. like the section of the map that has the 2.5D is really confusing about how the progression was. And spoiler alert: the section that I talked about having to go outside for the help was part of that. And the problem with it is that the 2.5D section of that tower, the map progression is really complicated and it's really confusing and i kind of just went to every portion that i could to try to get to finish the map mm -hmm. what you're saying is that it would be f it would be cool if it was like a metroid sort of like metroid prime where maps look like that kind of yes but not even that still leaving it as 2d but having like you know like several layers back like if you had like you know, a map oh, for so the, for one layer back, one for a second, one for a third. Maybe only going back so many, same thing forward. But being able to go into your map if you want to and be able to turn it and see, like, okay, this is where I am, this is where I need to be. You know, how can I get there, you know, by turning just the map around and, and looking at that, I guess, is kind of what I mean. That they should incorporate it as a, a main thing to these games just because... I mean, I understand the 2D part of it and stuff, but I don't know. I, it almost needs something to make it the the, the mechanics that would feel a little bit more fresh, because it's yeah. just a lot of games do the same thing. It's like here's a map and here's you can go left, right, up and down. That's it, mm -hmm. and it's it doesn't feel very fleshed out. Like it feels yeah. very flat. Where you could you could you could have like. Like uh, sections of the map that you could only visit, like by saying, like here's this area here. Like maybe you can you can only access the back section of the map because there's like a transportation thing that goes. Boop, you're in this section. Whoop, now you're in here. Mm -hmm. Now you're on the second part of this map. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, just incorporating into a game, I feel, would be like difficult and. Oh, probably. Uh, but I mean, I mean, I think we're at the point now where we can start doing more with these games. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Done. And I would say, like, for the Metroidvanias that did explore the 3D portion, like uh, Curse of Darkness and uh, Harmony of Harmony of Despair, I can't remember the other one, the, the PS2 versions of those games, they were all right. But I won't say that they would ever be, like, of the top 50% of Metroidvania games. Because they did do it like a, like a Metroid Prime sort of map, but at the same time, like, there were sections of it where it's like, uh, this seems really convoluted. So, doing, like, a 2D map, like, like these games, like Symphony of the Night, or, like, Bloodstain, where you could have, like, a front map and a back map, and only certain portions of it would be accessible because of, like, you know, like I said, little teleportation things or whatnot, mm -hmm. to be able to go from the front to the back, would make, like, hey, you know, you have a back section of the map that you can only get through here, but there's now another section of the game that you can't access without a special ability from the front map, but now you have to take that to the back map to get to this new section, which the you know the, the new section in the back map has something that allows you to progress into the front map, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, I think I, like I said, just be... making it feel like an actual, like, castle and tower instead of, like... Right. You know, yeah. like I said, like, not every home is built with, like, oh... One room's here, one room's here, and here, and here, and here. And in order to get upstairs, you literally crawl up a ladder. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not realistic feeling. And I think, like, 
so many Metroidvania games have done this, like including Metroid and Castlevania, obviously, and all their right. subsequent games have all done this. And like I said, I, I nothing against the 2D because obviously I, I'm a big fan of the 2D stuff, but right. like. It doesn't have to be in 3D graphics by any means. Like, you can still do this with, you know, this or, or you know... Or just, uh, like, saying, like, you know, you could do, like, a special plate hitting up on, like, the foreground... Um, on a foreground staircase, and it, like, kind of moves you toward... Like, you do, like, a little uh, around, and now you're playing in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, the Paper Mario, for example, have done things like that in sections. Yep. Where you, you know, go down a pipe, and now you're in the background. Yes. You know, something like that. I think that would be genius. We're saying, like, can you imagine what it would be like to fight a boss that's like, hey, this is up in your face. Hey, now the boss is in the background. How do I get to the background? Oh, there's a thing over here. Ooh, now you're fighting the boss in the background. You know? Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's a mechanic that says, hey, there's a cannon in the background, and the boss is going to be invulnerable to you. Shoot him with the cannon, and the armor flies off. You know, st something like that. And there's a you lot know? of different ways that they could even change the mapping system. Like, right now, it's showing most of it as being blue, for the most part. So, I mean, right. why can't, you know, one map be yellow, one be blue? Like, being, like, you know, again, color-coding whichever layer you're supposed to be on. So, right. you can, if you want to, you could superimpose them, but okay... I need to get back to that green room that I was at here, but that was I had to get there from the blue. How the fuck do I get back there? Because I could see it from this screen, but I can't obviously access it. So, and then you can right. overlay the two and be like, oh, if I backtrack here, there should be a way to get in over on this side. Again, it, it's just I guess more thought on how they could expand the genre yeah. itself than anything else. So there you have it, folks. That's uh, that's blood stage for me. I I kind of expected going into this review. I'm be like, oh, I'm gonna come out. It's gonna be a plus, and it's gonna be like, ah, uh, I'm gonna look like such a stupid fanboy. But the more that I the more that I reviewed it, the more I'm just like, I have to be super critical of this. And you know, as somebody who's played Symphony of the Night and it's like my second favorite game of all time, I ha I had to be just like nitpitty critic critical about certain things and it was oh, just completely course. necessary to you know well i mean you can't just say guys. like hey i like this you know uh, these two specific series of games and this guy was part of one of those series so i'm gonna love this like you know right you have to be I mean, there, critical as, as, as much right. as possible and there, like i said there were certain portions of the game that I, I didn't like i didn't like the fact that the that the armor that allowed you to go through spikes was like in a very very hidden place and if you just didn't happen to be like if you, you happen to be like a guy like me where it's like now that i have abilities that allow me to access pretty much anywhere that i want to go i have to go get every single portion of the map there are people who are just aren't going to care about that they want to get to the end of the game and the problem with that particular portion of it is that to get that final thing it's map completion you mm -hmm. know so yeah which seems to be a big thing for a lot of those games as well yeah, and that needed to be something that was a little bit more hinted at. There needed to be, like, a hint that, hey, you have to go up here. Where it's like, you clearly, like, before you got a specific ability, you could not go up. There was no way to go up. Yeah. But once you got an ability, you absolutely could. But there was no hint to it. And, like, little cryptic things like that, there has to be some sort of hint to it. But other than that, I mean, the game was great, so you definitely all should give it a try. Indeed.
So I will now I will now go on to my <coughs> new section. My new section is going to be a little bit smaller this time around because I gave you that long review. So um, first thing I want to talk about: Sony's focus with the PS5 will be on the hardcore consumer and AAA titles. That's Sony says it's designing PlayStation 5 to appeal to those hardcore gamers and customers who prefer graphics-heavy games. According to the Wall Street Journal report, Sony's main strategy with the PS5 will be to draw consumers within with its AAA titles. During a recent company strategy meeting, the company's chief executive officer, Kenshiro Yoshida, said game should, uh, games have become more important than ever. This means that Sony will concentrate less on showcasing independent games and more on high-end offerings, said another Sony official. While it will support the indie titles, the emphasis will be on larger publications. In addition, the company itself will focus more on developing big-budget games at its own studios. This, as per the official, this, this per the official is because people buy consoles to play high-quality games available only on that platform, not smaller games. Sony hopes its focus on consumers who want the newest and best available will separate its, uh, it from the biggest competitor, Xbox Scarlet, when it enters the market. Microsoft has always been Sony's con console rival, as it doesn't consider Switch a threat. <laughs> this is because the company feels Nintendo tends to appeal to more of a younger audience compared to PlayStation's core demographic. As far as Stadia is concerned, according to the WG uh, Wall Street Journal report, Sony doesn't currently see the service as a threat. Once internet technology advances, it could then become a potential threat. Rivals and non-rivals aside, with PS5, Sony's corporate focus will shift from an overall sales numbers to those interested in the le latest tech such as ray tracking and support for up to 8K, hoping that specs will, will be the console's greatest selling point. This console from Sony is currently without a release date window, but the general thinking is PS5 will release sometime during the holiday of 2020. Xbox Scarlet is slated for a holiday 2020 release and promises to deliver a new level of immersion, however the GR GDDR6 memory and next-gen SSD. It too will feature hardware accelerated by ray, ray tracing and 120 FPS 8K capability. Microsoft also promises a, a variable fresh refresh rate, ultra-low latency input, and backwards compatibility with four generations of Xbox consoles. Next year is going to be interesting. Um, uh, I think that they're alienating themselves doing that. Now, I understand what they're doing, yeah. but what they're saying with the whole Nintendo thing is like, uh, guys, I don't think you realize what Nintendo has started to do again. They're starting to come back to where they used to be. They're yeah. paying attention to the retro people. They're paying attention to the younger people. And they're paying attention to the heavy gamers. There's a reason yeah. why Xbox Live is going to Switch. There's a reason why uh, they have big games like Monster Hunter and all the in, all the Pokemon games and so on and so forth. All the Zelda games. I mean, you, you're telling me Zelda is not a high quality intensive game? Of course it is. So I mean, yeah. And I I think what they're meaning and what they plan on doing is they're niching themselves. We are PlayStation. We do high quality top-end graphics games that you're going to be totally immersed in this. You're going to be, oh, what am I going to do next? I was just in a, a you know, a, a speeding chase uh, in a, in the back of a Jeep shooting, trying to shoot people out of, out of cars and stuff while, you know, you know, back in, in Africa or something. So, it's you know, it's all crazy shit that's going on, but, you know, it's it's all that 
visual appeal for your eyes and stuff. And as for Xbox and where, where they're kind of hinting at where they're trying to go, it almost seems like they're probably going to incorporate a VR aspect, but push it. And I mean push, push it, by the sounds of it. Oh, yeah. So if that's the case, then they're all kind of, well, Sony and Xbox are both niching themselves so much, whereas Nintendo is fleshing themselves out a little bit more and saying, hey, look, look at how much market we can actually use here if we actually put ourselves to it. And I think yeah. it's going to work for them. I think Nintendo is actually going to take a lead if they keep going in the direction that they're going. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of... I don't understand, like, the need for doing stuff like this. I mean, it's... Are you really that concerned that indie titles aren't going to sell that well for you and they aren't going to be a good selling point for your are console? Are you kidding? Mean? We just talked about an indie title that just got, like, the highest Kickstarter game ever. Or so. How and much did fun, you say it was? Yeah. How much? $5.5 million dollars that they Given made. to people to have the game made. Random mm -hmm. people just said, can you please make this game so that we can play it? Was given to someone... One game. One. $5.5 million. You're telling me it the indie was, games don't have potential? <laughs> it may have ended up being uh, more than that by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was $5.545 million, So it's like, I mean, come on, guys. And how many like, other, like... You know, uh, private backers are there and yeah, corporate. And... Exactly. So it's like <coughs> you guys are like losing your mind if you don't think that the indie titles are really gonna like. They said that they're still gonna support the stuff, but they're not really gonna like you know front front or anything like that. I mean, it's like take a look at like the Switch and like how or, or, uh, Cadence of Hyrule, where it's like getting such like super high reviews and everybody seems to love the game and everything <laughs> like that. It's like, come on, guys! It's like, and the, I, for I the people understand. who haven't played Necrodancer, they're gonna play. Uh, Cadence of Hyrule and be like, well, shit, if, you know, really Necrodancer's cool. like this, I want to play this game. All right. of a sudden, that game's going to get a big pile of extra money and revenue because people mm -hmm. are enjoying this other game. Right. So They're being smart. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand that, like, AAA titles are what most of the people are going to play. If you ever yeah. go on to, you know, anything that's being played on P Atlanta PlayStation 5 on Twitch... Or PlayStation 4, I'm sorry. It's all going to be a triple A title. You got your Black Ops, you know, you got you know, that sort of yeah, stuff. Battlefield. Poop out all the stuff. Call of Duties you want, all the Battlefields, yeah, right. poop them all out, and keep them with your PlayStation. I'm fine with that. I, I don't buy a PlayStation for that. I buy a PlayStation usually for specific titles. Same right. as I do for any other thing. I don't have an Xbox One because there's nothing that, in particular on Xbox that really catches my right. attention. Bad. But exactly. there's plenty on PS4 that, that, you know, it has and that it can do. And same thing with Switch. I don't have a Switch, but I'm dying, dying. for. Again, I'll say this every fucking week, Nintendo. If you got one lying around, uh, like you were using it to dry the floor after someone mops or something, I'm more than happy to take it. <laughs> Anything at all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, like, the one... The one selling point for me, mm -hmm. the one selling point for me for the PS5, like the one of the few reasons why I would ever want to buy is because of like that that backwards compatibility that they're talking about. Yeah. Being able to play PS1 games on your PS5, I think that's a great idea, provided that they that they give you the same support for memory as they did for uh like for the original systems like. Unless it's going to be using, like, an internal memory or something like that, then whatever. I don't know, know if you read that right or not, but you know that it was Microsoft saying that, right? 
For the backwards compatibility? Microsoft also promises a variable refresh rate, ultra low latency input, and backwards compatibility with four generations worth of Xbox oh, consoles. Shit. That's Xbox so it's not game. Sony that's doing that, it's actually Xbox. Sony originally was doing that, and then they were all like, meh. Hmm. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> Again, like, you guys could re release these games. Like, here, here's 20 PlayStation games on a PS5 disc. And people and be all like, you... yum. Could you imagine, like, what would happen if, like, all these classic <coughs> PlayStation games, you know, like Final Fantasy VII, like, a lot of the Final Fantasy series, mm-hmm. can you imagine what the, like, the, the, the market for these games would, how the, they would increase if Sony just goes, oh, by the way, backwards compatibility all, all the way back to PS1? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how, like, like, a used game market would be like, oh, all of these games that were previously worthless because they, you had to buy the original... Uh, the, the original hardware for it are now going to be playable on a PS5? Alright, cool. Not worthless. So, <laughs> I think, I think honestly, like, you really should consider who is playing your game, Sony. Yeah. So, um, this is something that I, uh, I personally want to play myself. My friend Pedro, 250,000 units in its first week on the PC and Switch. My friend, Pre- my friend Pedro has only been out for a week, and it's already sold a quarter million copies. My friend Pedro was announced during the Developers Digital's E3 2018 conference and released last week on June 20th. Side scroller is a violent ballet about friendship, imagination, and one man struggle to obliterate anyone in his path at the behest of a sentient banana. Here, players shoot their way through various levels and can enjoy action in slow mo on occasion. Developed by Dead Toast, the game also features split aiming, acrobatic moves, and all sort of other crazy antics. It is available now on Switch and PC and is currently 15% off for $16.99 until July 9th through Steam. Um, I wish that that article would have actually had some gameplay, but it actually it doesn't have anything. It's just the developers talking, but... Yeah, some, um, but it's, it's just kind of in passing kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen my friend Pedro, this game looks really, really, really cool. Um, it kind of it reminds me a little bit of Hotline Miami, but in like a 2D aspect of it. So it's just going to be like run, gun, do silly things, and go take a look at it. Uh, hey, Sony. 250,000 copies in a week. Any games go nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like, look, look, guys, look, two hundred and fifty thousand copies in a week for an indie game. You see what I'm saying? Like, it does, man. Come on. So, uh, my friend Pedro is already uh, is already available. So go take a look. <laughs> so Google can't say how much games are going to be on Stadia, and said that they aren't going to be any cheaper. Google has clarified that it doesn't expect games sold on Stadia to be cheaper than they are on other platforms, such as PS4 or Xbox One. This particular point is important because until the free base version of Stadia launches sometime next year, anyone looking to jump in this November will have to will have to fork out the $10 per month pro tier. In other words, you will be paying for the service and purchasing the games you want on top. I don't know why it would be cheaper, Stadia had Phil Harrison told Eurogamer this week. 
Harrison's argument is that players will have access to their purchased games on any screen they own and, th and their theoretical maximum fidelity. For these reasons, the games industry veteran does not see prices on Stadia being cheaper. With that in mind, Harrison wouldn't say if this translates to the standard $60 or more. The publisher or the developer in, is in as much control of the prices as we are, so it's a bit difficult for me to say what the prices will be right now. But we are obviously going to be very aware of prevailing prices in the marketplace. Stadia launches November 19th, but only the Pro tier will be available at that point. The Launch Pro will offer up to 4K, 60fps streaming, and 5.1 surround sound, assuming your connection can support it. Uh, man, I don't get it. I don't see this working, dude. Now, if that's what the thing plan I'm doing, if, no. If, if, like, first of all, you're going to tell me that I have to buy the Pro tier, and now my games aren't going to be any cheaper? I'll well, just well go Scott, stream on Twitch. Don't, 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 don't you want to, like,. Get yourself an Xbox and then not be able to play it unless you have an Xbox like live account. Fair, fair enough. You know, that's the only way to play your Xbox now. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yay! I have a brick this, until I pay for a little code to let me online play my games. This is so silly. <laughs> yes, this is so it is. silly. It's like. I don't know why it would be cheaper. Uh, what do you mean you don't know why? You could do something cool for the people who are shelling out extra money for your pro tier. Right. That's why this it would a, be cheaper. This Jesus, was the man. same argument. This is the same argument that I had in my bloodstained movie. <laughs> I didn't feel like $40 for the digital copy was right. I felt like $40 for the physical copy, yes, I get that. You have the physical thing in your hand. You can, you know, this is yours forever, you know, physical. For a digital copy of the game, I feel that there can be a bit of a discount, you know? And for them to go, oh, by the way, not only do you have to have this hardware, you have to have this this, this $10 Pro tier, and now you're going to be playing, paying full price of the games? I can see Stadia going out just like, ooh, yeah. Do you need a bigger gun to shoot yourself with? Because you're using, like, rocket launchers at this point to shoot yourself in the foot. Do you I remember just... what happened with the Dreamcast? Yeah. A lot of a lot of great games on. Don't get me wrong, but Dreamcast came out way too early. Mm -hmm. It should have waited. I think Stadia is doing the same thing. Hey guys, look at all the fancy technology we got. And everyone's all like, yeah, it's nice, bye. We've already got an Xbox and a Switch and a fucking... PlayStation, yeah. so nah, I'm good. I've got Steam. Oh, but you can play it on anything. Yeah, do you know you can do that with every console ever made? You can play it on any screen you want. Oh, well, ours, you can just log in. You can still basically do that with any system. It's called an input device. And you just switch your. Or, and you can do the same thing with an output device. So you switch your output from your TV in your basement to flick. The one in your living room. All of a sudden, your game is upstairs. Oh, I'm going to play my game if it's all wireless. You know you can get RF adapters now, so you can put mm -hmm. one on your controller, you can put one on your game system, and it actually transmits the shit for you. There's so much crap out there now. Like, don't get on to me with your fucking random-ass fucking technology. There's more than enough technology out there to make this thing look like it's not that special at all. Right. I mean, Ouya claimed the same types of things. Like, hey guys, look at how smaller thing is. Everyone's gonna love this, and the developers get all over it. But yeah. you know, it, you 
if you just claim that and you're not going to put in the, the effort or listen to your audience or, you know, the people who are you want to play this, then what do you expect to do? You're not going to sell anything. Why would I buy something if it doesn't look appealing at all? And right now, this stadium doesn't look appealing at all. 5.1 surround sound? Whoa, wait, what? Is is that a hot, like, isn't 7.1 the big thing? I mean, aren't they moving on? Like, if your connection can support it. God damn. Yeah, 4K and 60 FPS. Yeah. Anyways, Ooh. Stadia, I, I can see right now, like, unless Google again is going to get one to me, I don't see myself ever yeah. having one. No. I'll buy one on eBay so, in 10 years. Uh, yeah. So, Pokemon Masters three, is a 3v3 real-time battle game coming to iOS and Android this summer. Ooh. Uh, Nintendo and Dina lifted the lid on their next Pokemon mobile title today, Pokemon Masters. During a short presentation, Nintendo revealed more information on it. Announced in May, Nintendo confirmed that the free-to-start mobile title is a 3v3 real-time battle game. In it, you will, you will form teams of trainers and Pokemon to compete on an island, uh, the island of Pasio. For the very first time in a Pokemon game, trainers and their partners from Pokemon from every Pokemon region will come together to form sync pairs. Players can team up with duos such as Karina and Lucario, Brendan and Trico, Claire and Kingdra, and many more. With all sorts of trainers on Pasio, there are sure to be some exciting and unexpected counters along the story. At launch, there will be 65 sync pairs to recruit, with additional sync pairs to come out the following release. Once a player has made friends with the sync pair, they can recruit these friends to form a, form a team of three trainers and their three partner Pokemon, after which they will battle AI opponents to become champion of the Pokemon Masters League tournament. How battles work, you will command a small you will command a squad of three sync pairs in real-time battles. During the battle, your AI opponent will do the same. You will also be able to command trainers in battle to use moves healing items to increase Pokemon's stats. In addition to standard moves, sync moves can also be deployed. There are more powerful attacks that are performed by syncing specific pairs. Hmm. When in battle, you will need to keep an eye on your move gauge. It will refill over time. Pokemon Masters will be available worldwide as a free-to-start game with in-app purchases on iOS and Android devices this summer. Below is an example of Pokemon and Trainer Sync pairs included at release. You'll have Red and Charizard, Brock and Onyx, Misty and Starmie, Rosa and Snivy, Blue and Pidgeot, Cynthia and Garchomp, Iris and Haxorus, Claire and Kingdra, Brendan and Trico, Flannery and Tor Torkoal, Thornton and Bronsong, Karina and Lucario, Ace Roller and Pylosan, and Barry and Piplup. This looks pretty cool! Is Brock still like fucking like eight or something? What the fuck, man? I... You, you know how Pokemon is, man. Nobody ages in Pokemon. <laughs> Come on, man. Look at the Simpsons. <laughs> I mean... Oh wow! I hope. I mean, they they also show some other ones. They they have Lance or in like the like the main picture. You can see Lance and Dragonite. You can see um, Steven and um, that 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 You see uh, Red and Char Charizard, uh, Diantha and Gardevoir. Mm -hmm. So there, you know, there's gonna be some pretty cool combinations to be had out there so I'm, I'm i'm actually really looking forward to this this looks like it's going to be a really cool idea like being able to say hey i'm going to try to find some groups and see how their sync moves work together you know yeah. maybe charizard and gardevoir may do some strange things together or, or you know but 
Stevens, Metagross, and Brock's Onyx are going to have some sort of, you know, rock, steel, throw them, and discus toss thingy. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there just for pot. But, you know, this looks like it's going to be a pretty cool idea, you know? So, it, it feels like it's going to be like a sort of, like, pseudo MMO sort of thing. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but... <laughs> But definitely looking forward to this. It's not coming out soon enough. I hope it's relatively soon. So, um, <coughs> Link's Awakening Remake has very minimal changes. Link's Awakening was near perfect to begin with. The remake isn't going to mess with the design. As the old saying goes, there's much more than there's one more than one way to skin a cat. There's, <coughs> there's more than one way way to remake a classic too as we're seeing Resident Evil 2 is, is big budget flashy and generally faithful if a seven remake look like it's going to be more of a modern or re modern reimagining than a beat for beat remake and then there's Link's Awakening which steps beyond an HD remaster but is an absolutely faithful love letter to the Game Boy original yeah, this it has so a snazzy weird. presentation but this is the same game and that's okay yeah. Link's Awakening is without a doubt one of the best entries in the Zelda series. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And that is by no mean feat when you consider that this is a franchise home to several of the best games of all time. There's something there's something really joyous about Link's Awakening, though. After the fairly dark, good versus evil story of Link to the Past, this is a Zelda series experimenting, going off on an unrestrained tangent and seeing where it leads. The result is a charming journey across brilliantly ethereal land with memorable characters, weird cameos, and a core that's totally pure of heart. Developer Grizo has become a pretty solid partner for Nintendo, working on Nintendo 3DS ports of Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and Luigi's Mansion, as well as developing Zelda spin-off Triforce Heroes. They very much know what they're doing, and Link's Awakening is as faithful a recreation as the studio takes on the N64 Zelda games get, even with this as much as much, much more significant upgrade. Rizzo is now sort of taking on the role as Capcom had in the Game Boy Color years, handing smaller scale Zelda titles, and that's quite exciting, as an ex-Capcom folk like Hidemaro Fujibayashi, now leading the series, having cut their teeth on handheld games. As for the demo, I make the mistake of telling Nintendo rep this one of my favorite Zelda games, if not my absolute favorite. Thanks to that, I'm then jokingly challenged to finish the game's first dungeon with the demo's strict 15 minute time limit. I almost managed it, but ran out of time with a few final screens of the dungeon. Playing this, playing like this has advantages for the purpose of a preview, however, while other people plot around the overworld or frit for their time away on Mabe's Village Crane game, I'm running down to the beach for my sword, then back up to the woods, battling moblins and grabbing magic powder, then down to the dungeon. And it's all muscle. <laughs> It doesn't look as I remember it, but it actually is how I remember it. And there's something quite magical about that. There's no rose-tinted glasses necessary, because Grizzo has lovingly baked all that tint into the very cartridge. Being how you remember it and also acceptable to modern players carries certain requirements with it. So Link Awakening is, a subtly, is subtly changed. The Game Boy original had only two action buttons, for instance, so you could unequip your sword and shield to use other items. Now your sword and shield are permanently bound to certain buttons, and you get two swappable items. Item slots handy. This might also make tougher sections of the game a touch easier for modern sensibilities, as it means that the shield, which you barely ever used in the original, is now only a button press away. Enemies are tweaked to better take advantage of this. The moblins in the forest used to walk around robotic loops until they spotted you in the original, but now they wander in a more natural way. 
The shield goblins could pr previously be efficiently defeated by a poke war and a spin attack, but now are best off by using your shield to stun them after they attack. It'll be... Excuse me, I'm sorry. It'll be interesting to see how these mechanical changes stack up in the final release as a bunch of little changes could add up to something significant. Thus far, this appears to be a solid remake, and then albeit with uh, one with creaks and groans here and there that'll hopefully be ironed out for release. In particular, a frame rate that occasionally struggles some rarely related, some likely related graphical issues that feel a little too aggressive. These things are hopefully easily remedied, however. There's all new content too, including a dungeon organized, or originizing mini games that feel like the first baby steps towards a proper Zelda Maker game. But are really here for the original Link's Awakening, which really looks and feels like looks great, feels great at this stage. I can't wait to fall in love with Link's Awakening all over again. I do imagine many newcomers will fall for its considerable charms as much as I did in the 90s. I mean, I mean, yeah, you could see how like there's like those little changes like he was talking about how like the moblins no longer just like kind of walk around like they're you know just literal ai programmed robots you know yeah they actually <laughs> move with you so like you can't just hit them with the sh with the sword from the side right as easily and stuff but i haven't played any Link link's awakening myself but this looks so oh, good and for what it's worth you know it's it, it like it said, it was like one of like the best Zelda games in the franchise, and it really is, you know. And like, there are tiny little bits to the game that just make it make it just as good as it is. The dungeons in the game were really, really good, and I want to say like, if not like some of the best dungeon designs in any like 2D top-down Zelda, and just so just ah. Uh, it was a good game. I'll sit here and talk about it some more, but we got Just, other things to do. Uh, yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, there's no fucking justice in the world. Twitch has reinstated Dr. Disrespect's channel after banning it for only two weeks. In a move everybody predicted, the Twitch channels for Guy, Dr. Disrespect, Behem is once again live for all viewers. The channel went live overnight, though the streamer has yet to actually host a stream. This was uh, of Wednesday, by the way. The most recent stream archived is from 16 days ago, which means that the infamous bathroom stream will not be archived. Streaming from a public bathroom at E3 is, of course, what earned the channel the ban in the first place. Two weeks after the typical ban period of Switch's top streamers, which Dr. Disrespect is certainly among, BM hasn't, ex hasn't addressed the incident directly as of the writing of this, other than to say that he that he's fired director Alex, a fictional character he often shouts at during his streams. Since then, he posted a recap video on his YouTube channel featuring his trip to E3, but that's about it. Of course, even though Behem has yet to go live, his Twitch stream channel chat has been incredibly active with comments and new subscriptions. If his return stream from earlier this year, following a freak, is any indication, Dr. Disrespect's first stream on the newly reinstated channel will likely break Twitch records. Why? Just... <coughs> now, here's the thing. If you did that, Stefan, do you really think you did your channel back? <laughs> You're asking that uh, that's a, a joke, I hope. We're not and... important enough, see, see, Scott? Now, if we were bringing in all kinds of money, 
and you know we we you know hey look at this I'm selling coke to children <laughs> isn't that cool well, that's illegal oh that's fun I'm just gonna have my channel taken for two weeks and then we'll be back up perfect but I'll get all that nice publicity from it it's more or less you're it's twitch basically saying that they're all right with you doing something illegal on a stream provided you're popular provided you're popular and that's just like man that is terrible and that's one of the reasons I think that twitch is gonna end up I don't know it's some, something's gonna happen another platform's gonna come along and twitch is slowly gonna go in the way of YouTube where the bigger audience is not going to be following that anymore right look at us like do you know YouTube how many thing. of us came over from YouTube over to Twitch oh, all at the same time from the Let's Play community? Because YouTube turned to trash because they didn't care about the smaller people? Do you know how those bigger people became bigger people? They were small people. All it takes is one, two streams, that's it, for something to happen that you blow up, and that's it. Then you're popular. Yep. Uh, now, is it going to happen to me? Maybe, maybe not. That doesn't matter. What I'm saying is that you're basically saying it's okay to do something illegal on a stream as long as you're popular and that's mm -hmm. not okay and, and believe me and I love Twitch I love this platform it's great so many great people over here they allow me to do my podcast and all my other streams thank you very much but you guys have to look at this from a standpoint of anybody else who's not getting yeah. this huge yeah, revenue have, from this guy to make, it's you, just you not have right to make the small guy just as accountable as the big guy or because actually like, vice versa. You have to make the big person as accountable as the small person. If right. we did that, we'd lose the channel. There's no more getting the channel back. Oh, right? There's absolutely. no two two week ban. It's just outright delete, you're gone. Yep. The same thing should I, happen to the bigger streamers. ISP ban too, so that you could never and you know what? Twitch again. Well, no, because you can just change your uh, IP address. Well, okay. But, but it, what it, I'm it, saying it, is that delete the channel outright. Oh, but yeah. there's so much that they don't change. Who cares? If they're popular enough and they start it's a new their, channel, they'll get back their main audience. It's, it's literally their fault for doing something illegal in the first place. If you don't want your channel deleted, don't do illegal things. Don't, like, first of all, don't do just, like, like, just, like, the law illegal things. And then don't do things that break the TOS. I mean, it's just, it's that plain and simple. And then his response was to fire Alex. Who's like apparently a guy a that fictional? doesn't actually exist. <sighs> Like, come on. That's how you're going to address this? You did something illegal, so your your response to this is like, oh, I'm going to fire Alex. This, this is his fault. You're not even, well, even going to take responsibility for being like, hey, you know, I'm sorry, guys. I did something that was illegal. It was stupid. It was in poor taste. I will make sure, you know, in the future that I, you know, I don't care if you're Dr. Disrespect. I, under, I understand. I don't even know who this guy is. I'll be honest I, with I, you. I know who he is. I, I've watched his streams a couple times. Okay. But, you know, I understand that the Dr. Disrespect character is just <laughs> that. He's a guy who's he's got a bad attitude. You know, he's... You know, he's full of himself, and he's got attitude, you know. But, like, at the same time, there can be a point where, like, people understand the fact that Dr. Disrespect is a character. We get that. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with, like, people who are like, oh, well, wrestling's fake. Well, we get that. We understand that. But we like the characters. We like the story that's brought along with these characters. We, you know, we know that these people aren't like that in real world, you know? But at the same... Know, but that's the thing. Yeah. 
but you know you can for a tiny little bit you know just be you as a human being who can just admit to the fact that you made a mistake you did something wrong and at least just as a decent fucking person own up to it and he didn't at all and it just shows that just, Twitch is yeah, being it, ran by those people yep. you, Twitch doesn't have a handle on this stuff again it, like I know that it's great and all that these people are bringing lots of money into your pockets you gotta think about the ethics behind some of that shit. Yep. Like, and you gotta be actually happy if you don't get a lawsuit from the person, like, from the underage person who was filmed in that bathroom mm-hmm. at the same time. Like, they probably just went to this guy, if at all. They might not, uh, they might have said, oh shit, it's Dr. Speck, yay, I don't care, mm-hmm. look at me pee. You know, fine, that's, that's whatever. But imagine if it didn't turn out like that. Imagine if it turned mm-hmm. out, okay... I'm suing you. Hey, did you did you know that you were also filmed and it was being put on live on Twitch to, you know, X amount of people? Oh, really? Well, now I'm going to go after Twitch. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, you're setting yourself up for, for bad shit to happen. Don't. Yep. <laughs> Just hold every single person who uses your, uh, your media, use every single person. It doesn't matter if you have 10 viewers or if you have 10,000 viewers or if you have 10 million viewers. If you do something that's against the terms of service and God forbid against the fucking law, mm-hmm. you should be held responsible. Yeah. And like they're, they're talking about like like everybody expected him to get a two week ban, you know, like to do with all the popular dudes. You know what that was for him? A fucking vacation. Yep. He got to sit back for two weeks, drown in his fucking YouTube, his Twitch, his whatever, all other social media money that he had. And he got to sit back for two weeks and not have to do anything. Yep. It was a vacation. So, yeah, did he lose money? Probably. But who cares? Yeah, right. He's one of the most popular YouTuber, or, or one of the most popular Twitch streamers on the whole uh, the whole site so it's not like he's hard up for money you know so but that's the like, thing he's probably gonna get more now he's more yeah, people are gonna like end up watching this oh man oh this guy's so badass is he really badass yeah no. so when he Anyways. comes back or when he whenever he did come back I don't know because I didn't really check but they were saying that he would break twitch records by having all these people on his channel now so it's like great good job disrespect indeed to every mm-hmm. fucking streamer on the platform Yep. So, um, if you're not into the if you're not into the new Contra, why not have some of that Blazing Chrome? Blazing Chrome is a side-scrolling shooter from Joy Masher and has our official release date. Uh, Blazing Chrome was unveiled last year as a tribute to the classic Contra and Metal Slug. The premise is simple enough: if you move from left to right and eradicate everything in existence. To to look at it close, the look is as close to Contra hardcore as it gets. Hardcore is the less remembered, but harder sequel released on the Sega Genesis, and Blazing Chrome looks to be following in its footsteps. Blazing Chrome has a roster of different characters with unique abilities and features six distinct levels. You really only need one look at the trailer, or at this trailer to get a vibe of what it's about. Wow. It is out July 11th on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Oh, they're going to be speedrunning this. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are. Oh, man, this looks so good, dude. I mean, I, have, I saw this once, and I'm just like, 
June 11th, huh? Or July 11th. Alright, cool. I'm sitting aside however many dollars it is. Because this game looks freaking awesome! It really does, yeah. I oh, mean, I love the look of it. This is, like, this is... Oh, so good. Right? Oh. And I, uh, I'm a fan of the Contra series. I love Contra. And this, you know, like they were talking about, like, the lesser-played Contra Hardcore, which I did play a lot of, because a friend of mine and I were, like, kind of, like, speedrunning before speedrunning was a thing. So we were just, like, you know... 12-year-old kids in a basement going, let's see how fast we can beat, how fast we can beat Contra Hardcore. All right, let's go. How fast can we do it? All right, next week when we come and play again, we're going to beat that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this game definitely looks like it's going to be one of those. Oh, yeah. It's, that oh, was yeah. nice. So, you hear what I'm saying to Sony? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that indie game idea. Mm. Just saying. Two of us are sitting here gushing over this game. <laughs> But you don't need it. So, uh, last bit of uh, news from me this week. Borderlands 3 is going to take <coughs> 35 hours to finish the story. Mm. It'll take you about 35 hours to see the, the full Borderlands 3 story and do a little bit of side content. And that's no Yeah, right. There, there, it's no secret that Borderlands 3 is a much bigger game than its predecessors. The game world alone, which this time around encompasses multiple different planets, is larger than anything seen to, in Borderlands to date. The hour count as a result of going to climb, uh, as a result is going to climb, and this time around Gearbox says it'll take about 35 hours to finish the main campaign and do a few side missions. To see everything in Borderlands 3 has to offer, it will, it will likely take even longer. Creative director Paul Sage told GamesBeat that while the team approached every aspect with ambition, they didn't necessarily expand the world just for the sake of it. You want to stay true to the franchise, and yes, you want to have new and different things, but they don't always have to be bigger and better. Some huge feature. Uh, oh, great! We're gonna do. We're gonna. We're gonna add hang gliding to the game. We're not gonna do that. You can get far into it. This approach will be manifested in more than just pure scale, as Sage points out. Plenty of existing systems and mechanics have been updated and overhauled. If you went to the E3 booth, you saw us talk about some things that we have the guns populated from vending machines. They're just small things to a player, but again, they're introducing and reinforcing bigger things. All of these things that feel small take a lot of time and energy to get done, and done well. Gearbox is improving everything from weapon mechanics, sound, to player movement. Sage touched on a few clamber abilities, which lets you climb up ledges and overhaul loot distribution for co-op. Hmm. Borderlands 3 is out is to be out September 13th for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. If you have Borderlands 2 installed, you should download and play the free Commander Lilith in the Fight for Sanctuary DLC, which bridges the story gap between <coughs> the two games. Um... So I might be a fan of the Borderlands games. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I haven't played too much of them. The little bit that I did play, though, I I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, I, I like the RPG uh, first-person shooter aspect of it. Yeah. Kind of like kinda uh, it wasn't Fallout. So that. 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 that and, and that's why I like it. I, and, and again, if they're expanding their 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 map size by having several planets and all this other stuff. Oh, I'm over in the corner. Oh boy. So yeah, believe me, yeah. uh, <laughs> I am all about exploration. Like same thing with Elder Scrolls. I'm so looking forward to that. Only in the hopes 
that they might have a map that's so immense that you can go to like the old places that you oh let's go back to the car oh since oh okay anyway sorry Borderlands 2 so yeah this <laughs> and I mean the game looks fantastic like just the mm -hmm. art style of it with the um, the like that stroke cartoon effect kind of thing that they have to everything just I don't know there's yeah. something about it that's just nice and like sets it apart from all the other high end graphics games and stuff that you know rely on just having everything as crisp as possible. This still has everything crisp, but that, like, again, that that little bit of ex extra added contrast with the the stroke is just so nice. Yeah, and, and Borderlands has always been that game that's never taken itself too seriously, so there's so many comedy aspects. I mean, you know, Brick playing the saxophone. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's a game that's just, like, you know, it's fun to play for everybody. And it, it, you can find yourself immersed in these worlds just because, like, just everything is so important. Everything is just, like, you, you care about the characters, and, you know, you're really gonna immerse yourself into a world that's now going to be, so, like, 35 hours big to where, like, the original Borderlands could be finished in, like, 15. Yeah. I mean, so, if... And you're probably not thinking about, it, like, if you take into account story, if you're looking at, uh... A TV show that's we say an hour long, but I mean, who are we kidding? We get about forty minutes at most uh, with mm. all the commercials. So I mean, even at, at an hour long, that's thirty-five episodes to a very, really good show. But you get to be in that show and you get to control what's happening. So, right. to Just, me, that sounds fantastic. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. Well, that that is my uh, news for this week. So I will uh, send it over to Stefan to give us some uh, new. World Record Times. Indeed. Okay. Okay. Alright, part of it first. Sorry about that. Alright, so yeah, we have so we have a few more world records and once again we have a couple that have just traded hands back and forth and it's been on the, the I guess been here all week more or less kind of thing. Uh, well, but, see, I'm not even Englishing properly. One of these has been here, like, every fucking podcast. That's what I'm trying to say. God damn it. All right, anyways, getting right into it. Our uh, updates for the NES uh, speedrun world records this week, starting off with Bandai Golf Challenge Pebble Beach, 18 holes, done in 7 minutes, 2 seconds by Matt Holmes. The one game that I was talking about, fucking Mappy Land. Mappy Land, yeah. All stages, okay. one loop. Uh, 2132 by 01 Ogopogo. Uh, Arkanoid Any Percent Japan. Uh, 3419 by Hi Batman Prototype Percent. Now, I, I have a feeling Scott's going to want to look this up because I've never heard of this either. Batman Prototype Percent. 1125 by Junkyard Dave. He actually improved that record throughout the week, so. Our next game is Bases Loaded 2. We have two new world records on that. First, Lose a Game, 10 minutes, 17 seconds by Mix Master PJ. The second one is Win a Game, 14 minutes, 35 seconds by Mix Master PJ. Uh, next up is Super Sprint, one loop, seven tracks, 4 minutes, 28 seconds by Mix Master PJ. Get busy this week. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you, did you find a prototype percent? Oh, I did not. Oh, okay. 
Uh, we have Gemfire 80% at 15 minutes 12 seconds by Jacobo the Chocobo. Um, Shatterhand 80% improved to 20 minutes 8 seconds by Tarbash. I didn't get to see that one. <coughs> oh, one that might interest Scott. Metroid 100% Deathless. No major glitches. 50 minutes 2 seconds by Retro Gaming 2084. Wow. Mm. Next up is. That's, that's fast. Yeah, that's pretty quick. Um, next up is Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. First 10 levels, 10 minutes 31 seconds by Mixmaster PJ. <coughs> we also have Wizards and Warriors 3, all guilds glitchless in 32 minutes 7 seconds by Marky Dan. Beetlejuice, any percent, 11 minutes 57 seconds by... It's either Base Guy 4 or Bass Guy 4. I'm assuming it's Base Guy. But maybe he likes fishing like me. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, next up, uh, someone we both know, actually. Metroid Climb Percent. 21.667 seconds by Chicks42. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Castlevania Whip Only. 13 minutes, 19 seconds by Lehege or Lehege. See, when they don't have different things capitalized, I don't always know. Uh, Marble Madness Any Percent Co-op by Yelsrake and... Elipus, I did not get the time on that one, so we're going to lose Scott's face for a second. Um, I'm not sure what they mean by prototype edition, because uh, apparently there were different... Uh, prototype percent. Yeah, it seems like there, there were two versions of the original game, a prototype version and a regular uh. final version of the and prototype percent is using the original prototype game. All right, there we go. See, so Scott, there you go. Scott gets us all the answers. He, he's my 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 source of information while I'm going through these. Um, oh, I think I think Peter actually put something in the chat. What's that? Uh, yep, it's exactly what I. Okay, never mind. I clicked on the same thing. Thank you, thank you, Peter. Please link my link to SDK. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I got it. I just, uh, after I came back from the internet. Next one I'm very happy about. Donkey Kong Game A One Loop. One minute, three seconds by Solo Q. Ha! With the webcam while he's playing. Ha! None of this fucking, here's the game, here's the timer. Oh, am I playing? I don't know. Maybe. It's, maybe. <laughs> like, no, fuck that. Good job, Solo Q. Fucking props, man. Uh, Silent Service, Torpedo Gun Practice, uh, 2 minutes 22 seconds by Galli Galinorian Saber, hopefully I, I pronounced that properly, uh, ooh, ooh, one that got improved at SGDQ, Splatterhouse, Juan Paco Graffiti, any percent, true ending, 19 minutes 52 seconds by Stormcrow 56k, uh, nice. Next is Lee Trevino's uh, Fighting Golf USA oh, course. Yeah? 12 minutes, 57 seconds by Matt Holmes. Which course? Uh, USA. USA. 12 minutes. I'm going to have to try, try that out. I love, I love Lee Trevino. <laughs> I, I mean, I have like an entire like playthrough of it on, uh, on YouTube. And I think I'm like I'm one of the, the few people who actually have an albatross 
on YouTube. It's even like just like a little thing that says, "Hey, a double eagle on YouTube from Leech Venus fighting." Damn. Moving on. Sorry. <laughs> and I love last... childhood games. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that sounds terrible. I was like, <laughs> you." Uh, our last game for this week is Darkwing Duck Any Percent Improved to 11 minutes 50 seconds by it's either Stans or ST4N ZZZZZ so I assume it's Stans I apologize that I don't know everyone in the speedrunning community um, you can slap me around bomb beans comment like comment subscribe Oh, it's not YouTube. Uh, all right. I look like Stan. It's it's Stan ZZZ. Stan. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. It's got. So there you go. Oh, I just looked up his YouTube channel. <laughs> all right. Up next, we're gonna do my Steam Discovery queue. This should be interesting. Oh boy, my and, favorite. And if part. you look at the top there, I have a few news segments this week. There was a lot. (laughs) Some of it's going to be short stuff, so don't worry. Anyways, let's start our (laughs) Steam queue for this week. What do we got? We had had no... Pro Cycling Manager. Boy, oh boy, let me tell you, I can't wait to play this game. You! Take this bike and you, you you bike here and you take this bike and you bike here. Ha <laughs> I'm the best manager of biking. <laughs> like, I don't. Why am I looking at their asses? No, I'm not fucking get out of here. You're pro cycling manager. <laughs> Hardcore mecha action indie mecha anime sci-fi shooter. Oh Jesus. Can, can we get a? Uh, I'm Game, sorry, gameplay. Dude. Yeah. Yes. Sounds like he's Japanese. Buzz. What is this? Oh, okay, here we go. Is this? No! Just you, you fucking took it as soon as I got some. No, go back. Alright, we want gameplay, damn Is that literally like two seconds? Why are you teasing me like this? What's wrong with you? You want to fucking sell your game or not? God damn it. Yeah, we'd like to, you know, actually see some... Oh. Yeah, it was so short! Okay. 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 No. Just... Gameplay. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Like, some of the things that I've seen so far look pretty. That's just another movie. That's just another... Oh. Okay. Oh, it looks good, actually. It looks really good. Oh. Oh. It's almost like a Gundam type thing. That's kind of cool. Yeah, right? This This is alright. Oh, and there's a regular person thing. Okay, this might have some potential. Right? Oh, are there cutscenes? We didn't know. (laughs) We were unaware. Thank you for letting us know that there were cutscenes. <laughs> I guess they're really pushing the story. That's good. Yeah, I guess they're trying to establish themselves a story so that people it's have like something a, to It's like a Mega Man meets Gundam meets Blaster Master a little bit. 
meats look ready. Alright, well, uh, I forgot to mute that one, which means we're probably going to get hit for copyright strike. So you might not hear us speaking out after, but eh, it's alright. <laughs> I almost exited that. God damn, next in queue. I didn't, ah, oh, I should, eh, go back. Aha, I'll add to my wish list. Yeah, I'm yeah, no, I know where I am, like you stop it. Hell is other demon. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Oh. Okay, it's a shooter. Okay. Uh, the platforming. Is this just like endless shit coming at you while you're platforming and shooting? Oh. Kind of looks like it. Yeah, because it doesn't look like you're really progressing through anywhere in particular. It yeah. just look, keeps looking like it's just more platforms in the same kind of spot. Not even reading what's on screen. I'm trying to <laughs> see the gameplay. I know, right? I mean, I can see this as being challenging, but I don't know if it would be something I'd this kind into. of like This kind of like makes me feel like this is something like... Um, uh, uh, d d d d d shit, now I'm going to... Oh, of course, it's a great the, 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 the Metroidvania where you Rogue Legacy. It's like Rogue Legacy boss mode, the game. Yeah, there, there's no there's no inside the castle. Yeah. I, I would play I, this. I, would, I won't ignore it. I'm not going to add it to my wish list, though. But, I mean, hey, if someone really wants me to try it, you know, I'll give this it to you. ways. Mother Gunship? <laughs> Uh, I'm not into first-person shooters that much. Uh, I apologize. I mean, some of the ones, like, you showed me Doom there not too long ago, that looked good to play. I'm not going to lie. That looked fucking great. And, like I said then, I didn't feel like that about a first-person shooter game in a while. What the Man. fuck is this? Totally reliable delivery service. service. Beta. So, what... What? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? Oh, okay. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. I hated this at first. Now this looks fucking hilarious. I was gonna ignore this, but I'm not anymore. This is just too funny. Jesus. <laughs> Everybody get the boxes aboard! Oh shit, we're no, gonna keep going. Just, I can't, I just can't grab remember. the truck! I can't remember what the hell the game was called. It was, I, I want to say it was a Dreamcast game where you were like frogs, like fighting over who could do bigger stunts and crap like that. Game Grumps played it at one point, and I can't, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like, it looks like fun. I mean, I'm going to add to my they, wish list, unfortunately. The idea, <laughs> the idea looks so stupid, but like, it just looks like it would be fun, though. It's a, it's a hidden object game. Robin likes playing these just because they're pretty simplistic. I don't, and, yeah, you know, it's, eh. I understand that. It's not for me, though. No, me either. My wife loves the hidden object games, too. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Project Arrhythmia, Music, Bullet Hell, which all things beautiful are dead. Oh. Um, no, 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 don't do did this. You, did you say Bullet Hell Rhythm Game? Yeah. Apparently, I don't understand yet. I mean, I get. I guess so. Uh, uh, 
Scott. I don't get it either. Uh, you said you said bullet hell rhythm and that doesn't look like either. Alright. Glad this popped up. Yep. Alright, folks. I'm gonna give you the fucking get down with this. We talked last week about 1980X. Alright? We went in and we talked about, hey man, this is this game looks so fucking awesome and blah blah blah. First time in the history of me having Steam, and I've had Steam, I think, oh, probably close to 10 years, if not more at this point. I think I actually have the 10-year badge, so probably more than 10 years. It is the first time in 10 years of me having Steam, I went through a refund. This game is the epitome of false advertising. Alright, so we, even in our Discord, we went, and I can't even say we, Stefan, like, advertised it because we were like, when we saw it last week, we are like, man, this looks really cool. This, like, all these retro gaming things and all that, this game looks like it's going to be awesome. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to try it. All of the gaming portions of the game are in that preview that you just saw. It's a visual novel. It is not a gaming. It is not a gaming thing. And sometimes part of the games rip you out of it to visual novel you. Like the Streets of Rage part, when you get to the final boss, it pans away to visual novel. You don't even get to finish it. When they did the outrun section of the game, looked pretty nice, right? Mm-hmm. So you go through like Outrun does. You go through the first four sections, and then you go to the final section, which is racing on the highway, of which they add two minutes and 20 seconds to your timer. So right there where it says, that section right there where it says 86 seconds, that person who's been playing the game has been driving straight for over two minutes. You literally drive straight for three and a half minutes while you get visual novel. Wow. That's kind of disappointing. The RPG section that you're looking at right there is unbearably difficult. And it is part of the visual novel. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. The parts that they show look fantastic, and I'm yep. sure you, even you said yourself that playing it was good, it felt good. And yeah, the gaming sections of it were great, but they didn't do anything with them. If they it's were... a visual novel, that needs to be a tag right there on Steam. In, in, that's how I feel. Don't get me wrong, pixel art, I fucking love pixel art. Love mm-hmm. it to death. Love, love, love so much. King of Fighters, some of the best pixel art backgrounds you'll ever see for like uh, more or less an animated GIF. I'm saying GIF, it's not fucking peanut butter. <laughs> I mean, look at that. That's a fantastic picture right there where yeah. he's just sitting there looking the sh- over the city. That is great. I love that. Yeah. But, but the- if that's what your game is, is mostly a visual novel, you need to have that as a tag on Steam because otherwise that is kind of false advertising. Yes, it says cinematic pixel art storytelling, but you're not saying that most of the game is the storytelling. 
Mm-hmm. And again, I appreciate stories. I appreciate pixel art. But if you can do this in just small spurts, just expand on it. Do 1980X dash X, I don't know, whatever the hell you want to call it, or 1990X. And, you know, that's fine, too, but include a lot more of the gaming aspects yeah. that you're showing because that's what people are seeing in the trailer. That's what you have most of your pictures there are from the gaming aspects of the mm-hmm. of, of the game itself. So that's mm-hmm. what people want. Give them that. Give them a challenge. Don't give it on a straight line. Give it, make it so that, you know, people are actually challenged. Make yourself yeah. come back to it several times. Make it a good segue between, like, night and day or going from this place to that place in the in the visual or virtual novel wherever you want to call it you know yeah. just make and it more what, playable make it so that people want to watch and and read your visual novel or again whatever you want to call it yeah and at the end <laughs> of the day they allude to the fact that there's going to be another game okay they even say to be okay. continued well, well I, I hope that they do better with it at the very least. Whether or not that's just like, a, like, hey, it's a video gaming thing to be continued, blah, 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 or yeah. there's going to be a sequel or whatever like that. It's like, okay, but I now have no interest, okay. So here's my other complaint about it. It's a $10 game, all right? I get that, mm-hmm. you know. <sighs> From the moment I hit play to the moment I quit the game, I had and finished the game, okay? I finished the game fast enough that it was still qualified for a refund. And by the way, Steam only gives you two hours. From when I started it to when I quit, it was 68 minutes. Jesus. That includes the opening scenes the title screens, all the time it took to load from the beginning, the the end credits, and the time that I jumped around in the menus hoping that there was something that I missed. And there wasn't. So I probably actually finished the game in less than an hour. That sucks. And for what it's worth, none of the gaming sections actually threatens you to the point where you have to play the game proficiently. The Streets of Rage version, if you ever die... They just insert another quarter and you can continue. There's no point in it where you're ever like, oh, if I die, I'm going to have to start over. You don't. You are. You blatantly are put into the game with no threat. The Shinobi section of it, like, if you die, you just start from the last checkpoint. You know? Okay. The, the, the shooting, uh, the, 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 the R-type part, point, I don't even know because I finished it without dying. So it's like... And the RPG section of it is nothing more than the game throwing itself into the character's world where the RPG, instead of just enjoying RPG elements, you're being given the kid's inner turmoil between him and his parents. Oh, okay. So it's sort of like a, hey, you know, this is a cool RPG, but now like whenever you defeat an enemy, it's like, my house, my rules. What the fuck are you talking about? Well, what are you going on about? Well, you know, when when you die, it's like you could never leave. Blah blah. blah. Like, oh, okay. And the well, problem at with the very least, thing. now everyone knows that it's not as recommended as we had hoped. I'm actually going to yeah. remove that tag on the uh, episode because we're. And, I'm actually including uh, special tags in our timestamps saying when a game is recommended. Yeah, so, I I can't say. 
for a very long time that I've ever ever, ever been like, I really regret purchasing this. And for 1980X, it was just like, it was absolutely nothing as advertised. You get those games, you get to play those games, you don't get to finish any of them. Hmm. And like some of the sections are so short. Like the like the the outrun section, it was like five minutes, if even. Jeez. You know the the Shinobi section was really really good. I liked that. I wish they would have been done more with it, but it was just there was just nothing. And like I said, the RPG section was just unbearably difficult, and made it feel like it was like half the fucking game. It's like, uh, and then the the whole the whole point was just like. The kid having inner turmoil with the fact that he was having problems with his family. Like, I just wanted to play an RPG, man. That's all I wanted. Can't have it all. Yeah. Anyways, I'm not going to let Scott go on anymore because he's going on forever. We're done. Actually, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Why? I don't want... No. Stop giving me this. Hey, look at me. Shapes and shapes. I don't know. Sorry, but no. But What the fuck is happening to my queue, man? What is this? Oh, it gets faster. Oh, watch it. Oh, wow. But what if I just skip the blocks all together and just don't shoot them? Because nothing's shooting at me. I don't understand. I, people make money off this stuff, man. I'm just gonna make fucking a game where you're a, a cube and you gotta find a fucking triangle somewhere. I don't know. Some 99 cents. You play it, right? Yep. <laughs> VR Poop Simulator 2019. <laughs> All you do oh, is procedural generation. Uh, I think Wolfman would probably enjoy playing this. He plays a lot of those games and uh, Blind Man's World as well. Oh, there's a. I do like that there's a third person aspect to it as well, though. That's kind of nice. Maybe that's all of it? No, now I'm confused. Jesus. Whoa! Oh, he's using a shield to bounce around. Pain. Yeah, this doesn't look that bad. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Again, I'm I want to add it to my wish list because I don't really yeah, want. I'm, like, I'm not dying to play it by any means, but I'm not going to ignore it. Yeah, I'm Let's not a big see. fan of the of the art style of it. It's like 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 I like a big turn off one. Heroine of the sniper. <laughs> what? Okay, again, it's not something I really want, but like, it's just kind of funny. Oh, the bullet's gonna get the helicopter! Boom! You don't need a helicopter. Oh, come on, man, show the helicopter crash. No, I'm finishing the queue now, because you didn't show the crash. Alright. So that's the discovery queue for this week. Not a lot of yays in there. Yeah, mostly fine. nays. Cycling manager, are you serious? 
Alright, so moving into news. We're, uh, we're moving into news now with uh, Nintendo Life. <clears throat> First, starting off with Nintendo thinking about extending Switch online retro library beyond the NES software. Good. <clears throat> so, at the Nintendo 79th annual general meeting of shareholders, uh, President Shuntaro Furukawa was asked about the possibility of retro software from platforms such as the Nintendo 64 and GameCube era appearing in a Switch in the future. In response, Furukawa said he had no new information to share, but did explain that the Japanese video game giant had been thinking about extending its online service and acknowledged fans who had been wanting to play certain older titles. Special thanks to Japanese Nintendo for translation. Um... At this place, uh, we cannot tell new information about future classic hardware, among others, but we are thinking about providing an extension of the online service, which is currently providing Famicom NES software, as well as other methods of providing them. We also recognize there are opinions wanting to play past titles. As of April this year, close to 10 million users have signed up to use the Nintendo Switch online service. At the time of the milestone, Nintendo's president noted how users were still enjoying NES offerings Wanted to make the service more attractive over the long term. Mm. Good. Good. Oh yeah. They already have like right built into it the NES the, the NES library, which is just like holds like a whole bunch of uh, just absolute bomb titles in the NES. So yeah, and if they think about going into N64 and GameCube, dude. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, this is a win. See, this is what I'm talking way. about. Nintendo is... They're paying attention. They just... They, they, they've they always been really good about that. Where it's like, hey, we understand you guys like classic games. Here you go. Have this classic game again. Yay! And then they're starting to realize, oh wait. Pe people really want this classic stuff. Let's put on more. Yeah. Oh shit, they keep buying it! Let's put on more! I'm gonna buy it again! And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, guys... <laughs> People buying this retro shit again. Let's get money out of this stuff that we don't have to make because it's already made. And there's like more and more generations now that haven't played all these old games where it's like, hey, you know, I played Breath of the Wild, but I've never played The Legend of Zelda. Boom! There you go. And exactly. like I, even ha I had some conversations in Discord where people were saying, hey man, the original Legend of Zelda is hard. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but I'm also, I'm also coming from like, you know, I've played the game like a thousand times, so for me, it's not that hard anymore. But for, for people who've never played the game, Zelda 1 is fairly cryptic. You know, they, you know, yeah, it's, you here's your sword, use your wits to go about finding things in Hyrule. Do you want hits? Here's yeah, your lantern, you burn everything and take forever. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Alright, random Banjo-Kazooie meets the Wind Waker N64 compatible mod. <laughs> sure. Alright, so the demo takes place on Outset Island, the starting location of Wind Waker. It's the only level currently planned for the final release. The task is a similar one. You collect music notes, save Jinjos, and find Jiglic pieces. Sure. The, so the land, uh, well, the mod, the Legend of Banjo Kazooie, the Bear Waker, is done by Mark Kirko. As you unlock more jiggles, you'll gain more access to uh, more of the island. Having all of Banjo's moves from the start makes this task a lot easier. 
Interestingly, the background music is a 64-bit rendition of the main theme on Outset Island. The mod even works on original N64 hardware. N64 uh, Today tested it out on a classic system and said the only noticeable drawback was the frame rate, which tends to suffer in the large open area of Outset Island. I mean, for Banjo-Kazooie fans, hey, here you go, guys. Uh, again, place. I said some of these were going to be smaller things, just notable things that I think some people would find interesting. Go, uh, I didn't get to play much Banjo-Kazooie's, and I've never played Wind Waker, so for me, it doesn't... Yeah, you can do tell much. that he doesn't play Banjo-Kazooie's, Banjo-Kazooie, because he is uh, not calling them Jiggies. Just throw that out there. <laughs> Jiggies? The Jiggies. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Anyways, next one, Clue Clue Land joins Hamster's Arcade Archives range on Switch. Alright, so Hamster's latest Arcade Archives release on Switch has been revealed. This time we're being treated to 1984 arcade title Clue Clue Land. Game released both as an arcade game on the NES uh, in the same year and recently joined the Nintendo Entertainment System Nintendo Switch online lineup of games. Uh, if you haven't played Clue Clue Land, it's what would you compare it to? Make tracks or nothing? Uh, it's, so, it's so weird. It's almost like a Pac-Man type game. Uh, it, it's of. it's one of those one screen. It's unique. Yeah, it's really unique. It, it, it's it not is. Like yes. Basically, you make a pattern uh, that they're looking for out of little coins that are hidden around uh, the little dots that are there. And then you find an exit, and there's ways that you can uh, kill the enemies and stuff. Anyways, it's a fun little game. Uh, the only thing is, the usual pricing of seven ninety nine. That seems a little steep. Yeah, I think four ninety nine would have been a better choice than that. Yeah, I probably would agree with you on that as well. Well, we don't need the pricing, so. No. Uh, okay, one second. Alright, so, so now you can play your Nintendo 64 on modern displays with the Super 64 HDMI adapter. Sure. Alright, so this thing is actually kind of cool. The only bad thing that I know about it is the price point. So. I have a guess, but I'm not going to throw it out there. Aeon Super 64 is a plug-and-play solution which connects the N64 to any modern TV via HDMI. One end fits right into the back of your console, just as the original cables do. The other end is ready and waiting to accept a standard HDMI cable. Mm. It doesn't need any kind of external power source and is said to provide truly lagless input. Okay. Overcoming modern display woes isn't the only benefit, though. The Super 64 upscales the console's visual output up to 480p. Double that the N64 standard display. Any adapter features a slick mode, which is designed to round out jagged edges for an even sharper image. Pre-orders for the adapter are going live today, uh, which might have been a little while ago. Um, you can grab one for $150. Whoa, that is way higher than I thought. Mm-hmm. I was throwing it at $80, and even then I thought that was going to be steep. So you can make a pre-order for that. Uh, international shipping is available, but the product does not support PAL N64 models. Well. Just to give you guys a heads up there. I know I have a lot of uh, 
friends out there, especially listening right now, who uh, yep. use PAL. So, it launches on the 22nd of July. <clears throat> I mean, it does look nicer. I'm not going to lie. It really does smooth things out if you go and like look at the different pictures and stuff. But, oh, man. So, I mean, look at the star up here for as an example. If you go to the original, you can see like these little lines, like little pixelated kind of things next to it. It smooths it the shit out. Again, don't don't get me wrong. It looks really friggin' nice, but for a hundred and fifty dollars, I'll suffer. Yeah, yeah. That that's the only thing. I mean, I I would love to have one of these, but I would never be able to afford those, just those for that. Got, yeah, those of you who've got the extra cash, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, especially if like if you're an N sixty four collector, this is probably something you're gonna get anyway. It's just for the sake of having it. But I mean, hey, now you're gonna be able to play on newer TVs at better quality. Double the quality, which is yeah, kind of right. nice. Alright. Uh, Japanese Mega Drive Mini Collector's Edition comes with 22 mini cartridges. A frame set of cute mock carts! <sighs> Why? So, we have... Hey, here's a sex CD in 32X. You can pull them all together. You know what to do? Nothing. It looks uh, funny. Here is a frame, again, personally, yes, I would love that. That would be so cool, I'd hang it up, no problem. But, like, why? To someone who's just passing by, they're going to be like, oh, wait, comes with 22 mini cards? Really? So I'll get 22 extra mini games to play? Oh, no. That would have been the smart thing to do. Can you oh, imagine if those little mini cartridges actually were, like, Oh new games. I, I thought those were the actual games for the mini. See? I thought... So I don't need to read any of this down here. No. <sighs> Again, yeah. see, look at how nice and cool they would have looked. Imagine you got, like, oh man, I'm getting 22 extra games in my collector's edition all on mini cards that actually work. This is going to be so cool. Like, just mini SD cards. You know, you know like like a, a 32 megabyte one or you know whatever the size of a fucking game games aren't even 32 megabytes like an 8 megabyte SD card more or less that would have been so cool why do you keep showing us these add-ons that do nothing or like nothing. this yeah. additional stuff when you could do something with it and make it so much cooler than what it already is yep uh, again moving on <laughs> see and this is why this, right here, this is why this, this shit's happening. Sega's not worried about overwhelming audiences with retro content. Yeah, because We're, we fucking want it. I.e., hey, what else can we try and make money off of? We're dying for some revenue over here. Sega, it doesn't look good when you're doing that kind of shit. I'm just going to say that, uh, you know, stop with the bullshit. Do something cool. Anyways. <sighs> Sega's quite happy to re-release its retro library of games on each and every system. If you're like us, you probably played the original Sonic the Hedgehog on a dozen different devices over the years. In a recent mm -hmm. interview with GameIndustry.biz at E3 2019, Sega Europe's John Clark defended the company's decision to churn out these classic titles time and time again, explaining how it would never overwhelm its audience with retro content and would continue to make it accessible as possible. Here's exactly what the executive vice president of uh, publishing had to say. When do you ever stop reaching the audience? That 
there's always an audience there for um, one format or another. We've got great content, and we're never going to saturate the audience for all of that retro content. So I think we're going to continue to bring it out as broad and wide as possible. Sega, with the help of M2, is currently working on the Ages line for the Switch eShop. Apart from this, it's also releasing the Genesis Mega Drive Mini this September after At Games' original device failed to live up to expectations. Getting baked, eat some cake, Sephiroth! Sorry. <laughs> this is actually cool. This is fucking awesome. Limited run games to release physical NES and Game Boy Star Wars cartridges. Mm. I love so, this. Uh, I don't know if you ever played the original Star Wars that went to the NES, but it's, um, how do they say it? Fucking hard. Yes, it is. But look at the packaging. I know, it's awesome. I want both. I don't even collect really for the game. It, it, I want, looks, it, mm. it looks like they're, they're like action figures. And yeah. like, I like that. That's, a, that's actually a really cool idea. Alright, so they, uh, apparently at E3, limited run games teased what appeared to be a huge Star Wars announcement. The reveal showed that the company would be teaming up with Lucasfilm Games for some physical releases, but it wasn't 100% clear how this would actually work. Today, limited run has shared the news that physical Game Boy and NES cartridges are on the way, acting as the first two products to come from this new relationship. Uh, oh, as of the 28th of June, the, uh, Friday Pass, you'll be able to get your order in for Star Wars on your preferred retro platform. Check out the tweet below. A long time ago in a galaxy very nearby, Star Wars was released on NES and Game Boy. Now it gets a physical limited run re-release on June 28th at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. alongside Star Wars Bounty Hunter. Ooh. Get, your get your copy of Star Wars on one of its original consoles this Friday. So there's limited orders going on sale that day, uh, and at the same time limited quantities of stand. So does that mean that it's over and there's no possible chance of still ordering? That's that's my question. Hmm. Hope not. Buzz, stop the limited shit. He knows people wants to gobble that up. Star right. Wars fans and gamer fans are gonna want that just because look of it. It looks, like Scott said, it's in, like, action figure packaging. I want that. It's like, hey, my game's not hiding inside the box. It's right there. I can see it. Uh, I can even see what's going on behind it because it's in clear blue. All right. There you go. Oh, keep coming out with this shit, guys. Man. <laughs> All right, we're going to any retro news now for some new, uh, for some new retro news. I guess. Um, Royal Hunt escaped the boars in this new C64 game by Bimberlade. Alright, let's go and have a look. Oh god, it's so loud. Oh, so screwed. Hey look, C64. There he goes. All right, so Royal Hunt by Bimberlade. Oh, blue to white. Okay. Let's just go. Ooh, okay. Now remember, this is Commodore 64, everybody, so don't go for freaking out because it's not your NES. 
Hmm. Oh, you know what this reminds me of? Oh shit, are you fucking dead already? What? Reminds me of Metal Gear. It reminded me of Gilligan's Island. That too. Okay, so apparently these boars are out to kill you, and goddamn. So what do you do? Do you just try to escape? Oh shit! Oh god! And they have fucking guns too. Okay, I thought that was just for the fucking picture. Never mind. Whoa, 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 dude! You need to get out, yo. Oh, he's gonna pop up close. He knows he is. Oh no! Okay. Oh. oh. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. I I could play this, and this would probably be really trippy. Just because you never know where the hell it's going to pop up. Oh, God, there's two now. Oh, this is terrible. That's... Oh, wow, he's naked, too. He got shot yeah, right, right in the ass. ass. Shot <laughs> in the ass. The retro tink. I'm not sure what that is. I, I, I don't understand. Wait, if you're close enough to the board to go away, is that... I have no idea, but I'm glad I can't see his penis. And we don't need none of that big old dog. Is it like a button? What's wrong with it? Maybe it's super cold there. Although then you... Uh, why would you be naked if it's so cold? So many questions. Alright, anyways. <laughs> uh, I would probably give this a go. It doesn't look like it's... It's not terrible by any means. Oh god. Oh god. Ooh. I can see this getting harder, especially as the more you progress. And it looks like each screen is counted on the bottom with a little counter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, shit, man. See? That's what I'm talking about. That game looks fun. Shot in the head. I could definitely give that a go. So. Oh, wow. Throughout the game, you must traverse 80 randomly generated locations while avoiding boars that pop out of bushes with a gun in hand out to do you harm. They did a marmar, right? Jesus. Alright. He got he got shot in the buttocks. Apparently it's already out, I guess. I'm trying to look. Yeah, it looks like it's already out. Yeah, download, yeah. Why is he naked though? I don't know. Stop. He was out in the Stop. bush, maybe he was out getting a wash. I have no idea. Got some set of hits on him though. Jesus Christ. Wait, wait. Right. Anyways. Raid Blunner. Wait. Raid Blunner. Yeah, that's right. Episode 2. Cannibal. Way's Little Shop. Episode 2 of a new ZX Spectrum platformer by IADVD. IADVD. Hmm. Raid oh, look at those crazy ZX Spectrum colors, though, man. <laughs> I know, right? Alright. Look towards okay. ZX Spectrum for 8-bit kicks. You've been told that John... By John that I... DVD has released the second episode of ZX Spectrum game called Raid Blunder Episode 2. If you like platformers, uh, you please know not only is Raid Blunder just as good as the first game, but it was again coded using the Latura engine by the Mojin Twins. Mojang. Welcome to the second episode released by... I hate that I'm probably cutting up his name. That guy. Uh, what? That guy. Yeah, I a DVD. Uh, a new Zach Spectrum game for all to enjoy that features not just chimographically designed rooms, but plenty of jumping 
antics. Enemies to avoid, and if you're lucky, just find specific icons to experience each level in glorious specky detail. For further details featured in this new episode, make sure to check out the forum link below. Okay. Sure. See, this is where I, I like it when they have actual um, trailers for it. Just so we can see some actual yeah. gameplay. Instead of just <laughs> like one single screenshot where a clown flew up. Now, next up we have Dice Skater, an addictive and unique game for the C64 by Ger Strom and Sean Connolly. Now, they have a video. Damn, where did I get the music to? It's so good. Here I am, my sad music. <laughs> Alright, here we go. Would you stop the fucking ads? I don't want ad... They're trying to sell me ad blocker. What? An ad oh. for ad blocker. <laughs> oh, whoa. Oh, is it like ice physics? Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, that's different. Oh. Oh, wow. This is cool. Wait, why could you bounce off of some, you know, not others? Okay, so I guess you can... <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I can see... Oh, there is no timer, though. Or does it, is it... Oh no, there is! It's slowly going down as a bar, alright. Damn. Bonus for remaining time! Hardly any. Beware <laughs> <laughs> of red! What? Yeah, I can see this being addictive. Oh shit, yeah, okay, don't touch it. Oh! Okay, now I see what you're doing. That's Trixie. Trixie Fat Hobbitses. Oh, you missed that one, get it. Oh, damn, he done that one even faster. Alright, anyways, <laughs> Jesus. Alright, I would play that as well. That that looks fun. See, that, that was the, a lot of the charm to a lot of those games back in the day. Was, oh god, you touched the red though. Oh, it takes away your time. Oh damn. Oh damn. Yeah, he's fucked. Alright. Yeah, so yeah, that, that was the charming thing about the, the Atari games and C64 games a lot of times. That you didn't really have much to go on. So it was more or less arcade action that you were hoping for than anything else, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, let's go to our next one. Cruiser X-79, a C-64 shoot-em-up preview teased by the New Dimension. Ooh. Okay. I'm gonna start with some shooters. Yes, I do. Ooh, it looks fast. For now. Where's the game? There we go. Do, 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 do. Oh, this actually is running faster than I thought it was. And why does that sprite look so nice? Is this like Xerian or something? Or what is, oh, no, CBS. Star Force. That's Star something. Force, CBS, um, even like um, Twin B a little bit. Yeah. Did you, oh, was that the corn? 
Star Force to corn, and then those are symbols. Use it to go fly. Oh, I don't know. Oh, God, those were definitely anal beads. <laughs> <laughs> if it's going to be I anything. Mean, it is called X79. That's true. Indeed, Professor Pervert. What are you teaching next semester? Oglin 101. Jizzonometry. Oh, you can't learn jizzonometry in a classroom. Oh, you gotta get out in the I mean, field. It looks know, nice, but it's really jack off in a field. Some no. scarecrow. Uh, oh, man, the enemies don't look weirdo. like they're well thought of, though. It's the only thing I've been seeing so far. And it's a little bit slower pacing than I would have liked, but otherwise, yeah, I mean. Again, it's a shooter for C sixty four, so that's it's it's running fast for a C sixty four game. Man, you got killed by those anal beads again, dude. Alright, let's move on. Yeah. Death by anal beads. Oh, so the PlayStation Classic, one hundred and twenty eight gigabyte retro console bonanza. Seventy five hundred games, huh? Aaron White, uh Oh, sorry. Arcade Punks has launched the big 128-gigabyte build for the PlayStation Classic. The little mini-console based around the original PlayStation, except with a poor game choice, subpar emulation, poor image quality, lack of enhancements, and PAL. Can now be enjoyed to the max with a massive amount of supported emulation and a ton of games. Uh, Mad Little Pixel was having to go through some of the emulation and eye-popping gameplay as he told, uh, as he noted under his video, he had taken a look at a new PlayStation Classic 128GB plug-and-play build which features 25 plus consoles and over 7,500 games. Includes Dreamcast, Nintendo DS, Sega CD, PC Engine CD, TurboGrafx-16 and many more. Yeah. So anyways, this is a real thing, which I can understand for people who are just like, hey, my kids are kind of interested in some video games, I'm just going to toss. This is something I would give my kids. If I had kids, yeah, right. I'd be all like, no, you're not touching that. That's my shit. Take this you thing. Know. Here. If you fucking There's scrap 70... it, that's on you. I have 7,500 games. If you ever say that you're bored, it's because you haven't played one of them. Exactly. He's not fucking knows. <laughs> See, I get it. I got kids. The PlayStation Classic continues to be one. <laughs> oh, so it looks like he's just going over a lot of different features there. So there is a 16-minute video basically talking about all the different features to the new uh, plug-and-play console that they're talking about here. So that's pretty cool. I would say that it's moddable. Probably. More likely. So, again, if you're someone who's into that sort of thing, I mean, sure, it could be, you know, something you could use. But, I mean, personally, as, as and especially as someone who speedruns, I wouldn't be able to use one of these plug-and-play devices like Probably this. Probably not. <coughs> All right. Ooh, I was looking at this earlier this week. Grelox, an action platformer with a retro vibe. And, yes, it does look super cool. All right. And uh, I was actually talking to them on uh, Twitter as well. Uh, last year, uh, Indie Retro News featured a really cool looking game called Grelox, uh, an upcoming game by some team. Uh, it's not only an action platform, but it has a retro feel for an old Master System game with inspirations to Zillion and using the Master System palette. 
Thankfully, the game is still progressing well, as not only do we have a couple of exclusive screenshots to show, but Greelox is the very final stages of completion with the PC version due soon. Alright, yes indeed, this is one uh, to keep an eye on in the upcoming months, as not only does Greelox have plenty of enemies to deal with through a multitude of rooms, but there's seven areas with three difficulty levels. Terminals that need to be hacked to open other areas, two selectable stages between each zone, and the game is brimming with fabulous retrotastic designs that make you feel like you're playing a game released all those years ago as a classic hit on the Sega Master System. Yeah. Relox by Sunteam. Uh, Sunteam.co.uk for those wanting to go have a look. The game looks so good. It really does. I wish there was some game... like yeah, Gameplay footage, yeah. Yeah, but it looks like it's an action platformer. The, the 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 few screenshots that I've seen of it looked so good. Mm -hmm. So and I mean we've been we've been, you know, tricked before by that type of stuff, but Yep. This looks really good, I'm not gonna lie. I mean well, we can come back to it a future time when they do have some, you know, gameplay footage for us. We can definitely hit well, it up again. Here's some uh, gallery look. Looks like there's some sort of sword mechanic here. That's a big ass shark or dolphin. Alright, so we were talking about Minute before coming to C64. Well, here is the full reveal. Oh, yeah? Um, let's see. Thanks to Bootleg Collection and GMAC for some of their past titles and a very cheap Steam release named Brand New Arcade Machine. Minute is a top-down arcade puzzle. Only get a minute per life in order to make progress. Uh, see, this is all talking about the game again. Sorry, my bad. Mock-up of the game pack. Oh, there's even already early in-game footage to show off, and a mock-up of the game's packaging and cartridge. This could well be another co-op release with Retro Gamer CD, who produced last year's Salamis hit, Hunter's Moon. Thalamus produced some of the very best C64 games back when the system was still selling more than any other computer. And onwards toward the end of its shelf life with gorgeous 16-bit looking games such as Creatures, Summer Camp, and Mayhem and Monsterland. The renewed support for the system is great news for the whole retro community. Minute for C64 scheduled for late 2019. So yeah, that's what we were trying to look at. This is yeah. what they're hinting at is what's coming up uh, for the release. Cool looking actual stuff. Actual cartridge. Yeah, right. That is fucking awesome. <laughs> there are very few of these uh, retro games that actually have some physical hardware for you to have. So, mm -hmm. and like that's for what something I'm that's for a game concept that looks as cool as that and has physical hardware, that's mm -hmm. that's pretty unique. Yeah, and any game that's being released and any kind of cartridge for any old console like this if anyone ever hears about any of that stuff by all means hit us up on twitter hit us up on discord mm -hmm. facebook wherever you gotta fucking text me <laughs> i don't care but yeah let us know because this kind send of stuff us, I find send us cool. snail mail whatever you gotta do uh, use the united states postal service and uh, canada post in order to send us information about <laughs> games that are probably out two months after we get the fucking letters. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. C64 Mini is going large and feature-packed. 
full-sized version of the 80s wow. best-selling home computer. Really? Mm. <sighs> with really the resurgence now? of retro gaming hardware enabling us to play old classics on big TVs with lots of built-in games such as the NES, SNES, and uh, PlayStation 1 Classics, Neo Geo Mini, PC Engine Mini, C64 Mini, you'll be forgiven in thinking there wasn't much else to get excited by the end of the year. Well, the C64 crew have something to shout about, and in a pretty big way, as they've just announced the full-size version of the C64, which is coming December 2019. December uh, a Christmas year. gift. That's mm -hmm. As noted by a post on Facebook, the full-size C64 has a full working keyboard. Oh, those keyboards, so mechanical and click, click, click. Comes with an updated micro-switch classic joystick which plugs into one of the four USB ports and connects to any modern TV via HDMI. It features wow. three switchable modes, boot straight into original C64 Basic, VIC-20 Basic, or switch to games carousel. Uh, sorry, carousel. <coughs> Play one of the 64 built-in games in 50 or 60 Hertz with optional CRT filters and screen modes. <laughs> That's cool. That wasn't enough to get you excited. They also go on to say, as well as the classic C64 and VIC-20 basic modes, the pre-installed games include such classics as California Games, Paradroid, and Boulder Dash, with new additions like Attack of the Mutant Camels, Hover Buffer, Iridus Alpha, and Grid Runner, topped off with the recently released Shoot 'Em Up uh, Galencia and text-based, uh, or sorry, text adventure. Uh, Planet of Death to let you relive the glory days of true keyboard gaming, all loadable and savable via a USB flash drive. That is really, really cool. And as you Coming can see here, December. if you guys want to see it, there's a full listing of mm -hmm. uh, games right here. I'm not going to go down through them. There's 64 of them. And it's coming um, out early enough. It's coming out early enough in December so that it can probably be able to be shipped for Christmas. Indeed, fifth of December. So yeah, just pause the video if you want to take a look at this list. Uh, but yeah, it's looking at uh, 110 pounds to 120 pounds, uh, which you're looking at about $200, more or less, which is not too bad actually but that's for a full-size brand new c64 that's going to work on hdmi tv with 64 games built in uh and then the c64 and vic 20 basic modes and all yeah guys uh so at, at the at the top price of 120 us or 20 british pounds oh 120 about, euros a, sorry 120 euros uh my bad I guess they're similar, 110 pounds or 120 euros. So, for 120 euros, that's less than $140 US. Oh, really? So, uh, Canadian, that will be... Uh, for Canadian dollars, it'll be $180. Oh, damn, that's not too bad. So, there you go. Alright, so yeah, and yeah, a lot of good games. C64, and then if they allow you to, like, load up others, oh. Right. There's just, just too much to, nice. It's They're doing it right. <laughs> yes, sir. See, Sega? Fucking. <laughs> Alright, the Dizzy scripting engine reaches version 1.1.0. Create Dizzy games for the ZX Spectrum. Okay. 
character uh, character by the Oliver Twins that takes us back to the golden years, the Amstrad C64 and the ZX Spectrum. To be honest, it's why every time there's a new Dizzy fan game being developed or a last Dizzy game found, we've always got to give it to uh, give it to mention. So why am I mentioning Disney Dizzy again? Welcome to the Dizzy scripting engine, an engine that makes it easier to create Dizzy games for the ZX Spectrum. For those who don't know who Dizzy is, Dizzy is an egg. There was a couple of games for the NES as well. Uh, reaching the Dizzy heights of version 1.1.0, the Dizzy scripting engine is an environment for the development of Dizzy-like games for the home computers that Spectrum 128 and its clones. The key feature to rid the developer of programming on assembler language and knowledge of difficult computer architecture. Basically, it helps people of both young and old create Dizzy games for the ZX Spectrum with far more ease with just the need to learn a very simple scripting language and to know any graphic editor capable of working with images with index color. Huh. <coughs> so basically you can just make other Dizzy games. I mean, I've, I've played a few Dizzy games in my time, so mm -hmm. like the possibility of like editors making their own Dizzy games is kind of exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also opens up the, I guess, that whole series into being able to be pushed further by having fan-made games, especially if they're, I guess, endorsing it kind of thing or welcoming it. All right, so last thing we have here from Indie Retro News is Doxter's Digger, a bonus 64, C64 game that's being released with Man Cave. Alright, so during this weekend, as noted, um, Cytronic Software released a brand new C64 game uh, by Megastar called Man Cave, a game which follows the hilarious adventures of Richard Morningwood, who has the unfortunate task of gathering up the pages of some rather naughty magazines that have been nabbed from a secret stash by its pesky kids. Well, if you're ever fortunate enough to purchase the great 60, C64 game, you'll be interested to know the game also contained a bonus in the form of another game called Doxter's Digger. Let's go. Is, is his name actually Morningwood? What? His name's actually Morningwood. Yeah. And the idea of the game is to dig up nudie mags. Oh is yeah. That what, is that what I'm getting? Yeah. Oh, look at this. Oh Scott. <laughs> oh Scott. So painful. Oh, this is nostalgia. Look at this. Oh man, we're gonna get to see the title someday. Oh, Doxers. Oh, this is going to be a cool game called Dox. Oh, wait, there's more text. Hold on. Doxers Digger. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> My God, that was painful. Oh, it looks like it, it moves faster. Not super fast, but hey. So let's see what happens here. Oh, dude, just keep... What do you just... Oh, I guess you gotta, like, keep burying it so the skeleton can't get up to you? I, I guess so. Oh, I can see this being, like... Trippy eventually. No, stop it. Look at this guy. What is he throwing? What are those white things? Never mind. I don't want to know. I was about to say... Anyways, 
So that's kind of cool. They they threw in an extra game with their with their game. But it sounds like it's almost like a Leisure Suit Larry type of thing. Yeah. All right. Next up, Precinct 20, Dead Strange, finally gets release date by Cytronic Software. Same people who made that last one we were just talking about. <laughs> uh, Cytronic Software are pleased to announce that Alf Ingvi's sci-fi horror theme shooter, Precinct 20, Dead Strange, will be va- available on the 29th of June, which was yesterday. All right, so uh, I actually kind of like the graphics in this because it looks creepy as fuck. <laughs> so, Dead uh, Precinct 20 Dead Strain sees you take the role of police detective Garrus, who's on the chase to hunt down a cult called the Sons of Albuquerque, uh, who have committed a bless string you. of ritual murders. What's that? This bless you. Oh. Albuquerque. Uh, it's like Frap Luca. Never mind. <laughs> Make things worse for Garrus, he also has to deal with a figure called the Birdman. Who's on the loose, slaying people and picking up the odds of his victims, while a stalker only known as Slenderman preys on lonely pedestrians. It's up to Garrus to walk down these dark streets and make them safe once again. Ooh, let's have a look. So this is also for the C64, by the way. And the dangers of Birdman is if you leave your car out on the uh, upside walk, there's a potential that not only will he peck out your eyes, but he'll also shit on your windshield. Oh. No, you ruined the paint, the paint job in my car. Oh, this Nobody. Whoa. Nobody wants that. Why is he shooting daggers? Oh. I wonder, it must be hard doing diagonal on C64 and stuff. Right? Whoa. whoa. You're creeping on, like, you're, you're super creepy, though, for a detective. Like, <sighs> whoa, jeez. Oh, he moved on diagonal then. Why did you not do that before? There you go. Dude. That was much better. He goes so fast up and down, but then his, like, his forward motion is like... Fucking... He's being very careful, Scott. Yeah, he's being... Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> Get to the left side of the Okay, and then move forward. Maybe, so... but the, like, see, see, see how fast he goes up? <laughs> Maybe you need to move up and down faster in this I game. Get, I don't yeah, know. it's like, you go up, you run like a bat out of hell, but when you need to go full glasses in winter, good I, lord. I can see this being on the uh, NES. Throw torches at him! You son of a bitch. Oh shit. That molester got you. Okay. See, we're just, we're just flowing through some a lot of new, new old <laughs> games. Okay. Oh. Apparently, the, the soundtrack is also creepy. It gives a lot of atmosphere. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Alright, we're moving on to some more stuff. Some stuff that Scott also might find interesting. Such as Pokemon Sword and Shield Dev understands you're upset about the National Dex drama, Scott. You specifically. I, I... I'm really not, though, because <laughs> I, I talked to a couple people about this at work, and they're all like, oh, National Dex, blah, 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 it's like, guys, come on, man, do you want this game this year or not? So, okay, the uh, Masuda, um, 
sorry, uh, the series producer Junichi Masuda uh, thanks fans for their love of the series and reiterates the decision to exclude Pokemon f- from the titles uh, or s- exclude some Pokemon from the titles wasn't made lightly. Just like all of you, we are passionate about Pokemon and each and every one of them is very important to us. So, after many years of developing the Pokemon video games, this was a very difficult decision for me. Despite the fact that some Pokemon won't be transferable to Sword and Shield, Masuda assures that the, those monsters won't be excluded from the series permanently. Future games, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to make one thing clear. Even if a specific Pokemon is not available in Pokemon Sword and Sh- uh, Pokemon Shield, they're, that yeah, does not, not mean it will not appear in future games. Like, come on. I understand that people want their national decks, but at the same time, it's like, this is something new. Just try it for one game. Exactly, know? and that's the way I feel about it, too, actually. And then, it's, it's not to say that the, the a future DLC might be like, hey, we've had a little bit of extra time, now we're going to invite everybody, you know? Exactly. That could be a thing that happens. So just be patient, folks. This is It's going to be a new game. It's a new thing. They have the whole Dynamax system, which might not be great for all the Pokemon in the game right now, so just give it, just be patient. Mm-hmm. Just... I mean, you gotta also think about it too, like, Jesus, how, how long would it be, and how much more would you have to wait if they had to go and do, like, all these different Pokemon exactly. in a new, different way? Because you're doing it for Switch, not for a Game Boy. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna take a lot more time, it's gonna be more graphically intensive, it's gonna look better. So, I mean, having a thousand Pokemon, all with their own sounds, all with their own movements, all with their own... It's, it's a lot. So, I mean, yeah, you have to understand that there's probably good reasoning behind it as well. So, And yep. at least you're being promised that, you know, they're not gone permanently. Yep. So. <clears throat> Here's the next thing that I want to talk about. Oh, my God. Twitch rolls out in exclusive subscriber streams. We're not even going to read, but I don't care about all those. We don't even need to read it. We can just discuss it without it. This is the stupidest idea that you could possibly... So, this is what I was talking about with two mistakes that I think Twitch has just made. One, letting back Dr. Disrespect after him basically breaking the law. And two, doing the subscriber streams. That means you're endorsing the fact that you want people... Hey, you're not subscribed to the channel, get if you're not giving us extra money, you yeah. are you are not important enough unless you give us money. How fucking dare you? How dare you as a company give this option to people who say if you haven't given us your money, you're not important enough for us to entertain you. How dare you? Like what if you're just like, you know, just like a regular kid, like a 12-year-old kid, it's like, hey, I like my Fortnite streams. Oh, well now my favorite Fortnite dude's gonna do subscri- subscriber mode, and I don't get to watch my favorite YouTube, or, or uh, Twitch streamer, I'm sorry, I kept saying YouTube, uh, <laughs> Twitch streamer, because he's on, he's on, uh, subscriber streams? Are you kidding me? It's like, you're literally going to say it. It's like, the only people who are important are those with money. Yeah. That's so, so I think ridiculous. that's a huge thing that's going to stir up a lot of stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. For all we know, maybe they're going to be smart about it eventually and say, hey, let's try doing, um, you know, gi- giving extra options for these subscriber streams. Like, hey, have you ever wanted to watch a movie with everyone, but you yeah, couldn't like- because it's against terms of service? Well, now you can do a private sub-only stream 
Which means that once they come in there, you know, you can watch whatever the hell you want. But it won't be a safe stream, etc., etc. And it's not really, like, I don't know, there's got to be some extra added feature to make that viable. Otherwise, like exactly what Scott said, you're basically just spitting in the face of people who don't, like, they're still enjoying your platform. They're still increasing your, your ad revenue because those people are still watching ads. If you don't have, you know, you, you go and look at even some of the bigger streamers who have, like, say, oh, a thousand people watching, say. And I just turned to subscriber mode only. 200. You just, watch, lit, you know, lost 800 potential people watching ads mm -hmm. and generating revenue. That To me, that just... It's so it's so mindless. It doesn't make it's, sense. It, it just doesn't like I I understand it. If you like say like hey here's my two hour stream and now I'm gonna do like this this hour long subscriber stream like all right maybe here's some extra special content for the people who subscribe all right maybe but there are going to be people who are gonna who are just going to primarily be like hey you know this subscriber stream. To all you people out there who have given me money, I don't actually care about you. When are we going to start getting tokens and to call I mean, ourselves can holders? I mean, we're already. I mean, we have bits already. So, I mean, we we already in Twitch have subscriber mode only when it comes to chat. So now they can start paying bits to us, Scott, to do like private one-on-one -on -one streams of games. Wink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. This is just, this is a stupid idea, so and I dumb. really think they need to be, like, really, really, really careful about these sort of things, because if you're allowed to, like, do specific things only in subscriber mode, then that means that you are going to completely isolate people that just don't have the extra money to subscribe to people. I mean, there are some people out there who, you know, they, they enjoy their entertainment, they like their Twitch, but, you know, they're, they're paycheck-to-paycheck people. They're and, folks that just don't have the extra money to be able to shell out to a sub subscription every single every single month. And, and let me just read how Mr. Uh, the Vice President puts oh, this boy. of commerce. Creators often ask, often ask us for new and better ways to reward their viewers. Are you serious? Hey guys, yeah, by uh, to all the subscribers out there, thank you for your money. Uh, those who aren't subscribers, bye. I'm not giving you anything. I'm doing a stream for just these people give me money. Like, mm -hmm. are you serious? Like, that, that's basically what you said. I'm rewarding you because you gave me money. Like, oh yep. god, man. Yep. This is it's it's supposed to be the the whole subscription thing is supposed to be a support platform to to show the the streamer, hey, I appreciate what you're doing. I'm going to subscribe. What I get back is being able to, to, you know, for everyone else to know that I've been here for this long. I have the use of these emotes. That That's what I get back. And you, the streamer. So, oh, just... This is just, this is dumb. End of story. It's, it's bad. It's bad. You're just, you're, you're isolating your viewership. It's that bad. So... We're going to go to our next topic, which I'm not sure if Scott's going to be happy or sad or upset, but Doom TV show is being made by Dave and James Franco. Go on. 
Yeah, id Software's Doom is leaving the fire pits of hell making its way to television screens. American television company USA Network has ordered a TV pilot for Masters of Doom, produced by brothers Dave and James Franco. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Masters of Doom is a 2003 nonfiction book written by Rolling Stone contributor and editor David Kushner. recounts the story of id Software co-founders John Carmack and John Romero, best friends turned bitter rivals, Okay, one of the most influential first-person shooters in gaming? Wait. This isn't going to be about Doom. It's going to be about the making the of making Doom? The making of it. Please see, it. and this this, this is why I don't read all no. my news, everyone, no. so you can see no. the genuine frustration. Uh, all right. Well, no. that's as far as we're gonna go. Cause once I found, mm -hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I actually love Dave and James Franco. They're 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 great, but I don't want to see the making of Doom. No. Anyways, Tetris ninety nine. It's like a battle royale game, or Tetris ninety nine like battle royale game announced for mobile. So Tetris 99 meets Tetris Royale. Go on. Nintendo Switch surprising Battle Royale like Tetris 99 is getting some competition. New Tetris Battle Royale game Tetris Royale is now in development for iOS and Android. The Verge reports that the game is a mobile version of Tetris 99. It will feature solo marathon mode and daily reward challenges alongside its 100 player competitive mode. Though no release date has been announced, beta testing for the game will start sometime later this year. Tetris 99 was announced during an and released after February 2019 Nintendo Direct. It's free to download and play for Nintendo Switch Online subscribers and pits you against 98 other Tetris players around the world. Tetris 99 also recently added paid DLC that includes offline modes, CPU Battle Marathon, for $10 US. In our Tetris 99 review, we said Tetris 99 may not be a proper Battle Royale game, but it taps into some emotional well, where a large number of players vying for supremacy creates an ever-present intensity that's difficult to shake. Add that layer to a game that's plenty capable of instilling tension on its own. You've got a riveting experience that even at its worst is still a game very much worth playing. When they say that it's not a proper battle royale game, they're absolutely... What's that? When they say that it's not a proper battle royale game, they're absolutely uh, every time you say they're absolutely something wrong, wrong. Oh, okay, I think it follows in uh, the story we covered last week with Mario Royale, mm -hmm. where you basically load in. You just—it's basically you go through four levels, and the first three people who finish the last level are the winners. And it's basically there's different ways that you can end up um, killing other players. Like if you get a star and they touch you and that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, so it's kind of like a little bit like a Royale type kind of battle game, but at the same time, not really. It'd be different because I'm not even sure. Like, if you had fireballs and you threw them, would they actually hit? I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. But. Yeah, I don't know. But, anyways, I guess we'd have to see a little bit more of this game once it's actually released in order to actually have a yeah solid understanding of what they want to do with it. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to be in on that, Tetris. I can't help myself. Reward the viewers by fucking them over. Yeah, there. Uh, so yeah. Some weird news. Bill and Ted 3, Face the Music, cast more characters from the original movies. 
I don't even really want to talk about it. I just thought it was funny that such an old movie series is trying to get like a comeback with Keanu Reeves and what? and some old dude. Oh wait, that's the other guy that was in in the movie oh. who looks way older than Keanu Reeves. Oh, I'm pretty Stop. sure he coaches a baseball team now. Right? You've done enough with cyberpunk, Keanu. Don't ruin yourself. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm not. We're not going to talk about it, but I just had to mention there just because it's yeah the revival. It's trying. All right, Cyberpunk 2077's install hey. size is 80 gigabytes on PS4. Holy shit! Yeah, again, Why? something that's not super important to me, but it's like, when it's something okay. you see like this, install size 80 gigs, I'm like, what? Yeah, wow, that's, that's... Won't arrive until 2020. Players may need to start making preparations for the massive first-person shooter. Games... Oh, yeah, I guess it's official, or it's gonna be Canada Day soon. People are celebrating with fireworks outside. Games install size allegedly hovers around 80 gigabytes. European PlayStation Store reveals the 80 gigabyte minimum required to minimum. install the game. Oh, 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 what do you mean minimum? Yeah, what do you mean 80 minimum? God almighty. You know, I just reinstalled Diablo 3 on my PC the, uh, this, this morning, yesterday, whatever. Yeah. And that was like, that was like 18 gig. And I'm like, man, this game's huge. And now oh, yeah. this, like... I mean, GTA 5, I'm pretty sure, is like 50 gigs or something. But I mean, still, like, that's an wow. extra 30 gigs. That's a huge amount, man. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of Keanu Reeves, that was funny. You, you literally just said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> speaking of Cyberpunk 2077. All right. We're going to go to our next one, which is... Oh. Uh, PC Gamer not loading. Cause, uh, oh, what a surprise. Why? Why do you do this to me every fucking time? Every, every goddamn week. week, you son of a bitch. Every week. <sighs> but at least we get a little break in here. And, uh, yeah, we're again, I guess, uh, while we're waiting, we're always looking for new segments and things to add to the podcast. If you have any suggestions, please let us know through the Discord, Twitter, Facebook, any other means. Always appreciated. We're trying to make the podcast better for everybody. You know Cooney is in the works. Confirmed by level five. Oh yeah. So well, if, I will, I'll have to say that I haven't played any of the Nino Cooney games. I want to. So they bad. Look really, really, really good. So that'll be an eventual tag. Oh yeah. And you know I every time that I hear anyone talk about it, it's always something good. I've yeah. never heard anything bad about the series yet. Nope. So, that's always something to look forward to as well. Pop, 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 pop. All right, something huge for the speedrunning community and for uh, just everything. SGDQ, Games Done Quick, this year have raised over $3 million for Doctors wow. Without Borders. That requires applause and, and like... Mm -hmm. They just get bigger and bigger and bigger every year. It's like, 
Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And like, GG to the people who run that, because, I mean, you guys yeah, are the okay. ones that make this happen. They, those donations wouldn't be getting to Doctors Without Borders without you. So thank you mm-hmm. for putting off GDQ to begin with. Right? Just $3 million. Like, I don't think people like, thank GDQ enough for what they're doing. For everyone. Yeah. For gamers, yeah. for viewers, for speedrunners, for for everyone. Yeah. And I'm hoping next year I might be able to even get to a GDQ. That would be awesome. Maybe I can get a Scott and a Six on my couch. Right. While I play Bomberman and Bomberman and Bomberman and Bomberman. And possibly (laughs) Double Dragon or something. Anyways. And then I get some, like, heavy metal just crashing my ears all of a sudden. Double the fuck dragon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, uh, I guess next year they're going to be setting a goal for four. That's going to be craziness. So I'd like to be part of that. That'd be awesome. I think they could make it. They could absolutely make it. <clears throat> oh god, yeah. Well, I mean, I was watching Saturday, and I think at that point they were only at like one point two. Wow. Yeah, and that was early Saturday. Or was it Saturday? Wow, that's. Jeez. Maybe it was Friday. Maybe it was Friday. Either way, in two days, they almost, they more than doubled that's their donations. Like, that's huge. I mean, and, and during a lot of the segments I was watching personally, uh, there were a lot of people who were literally just tossing in, like, a thousand here, a thousand there kind of thing, so... Yeah, people were being super generous, and kudos to all those people who threw generous donations as well. Mm-hmm. Good on you guys. Indeed. Now, I hope you can make that next year. That would be awesome. Oh, that, oh, that'd be so dude, dude, <laughs> that'd be so awesome. All right. Anyways, sorry. We we will probably talk about a GDQ as a topic sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Ooh. Bandai Namco announces a new PC action RPG called Blue Protocol. Oh, yeah? Uh, it sounds like it could be alright. Especially if it's Bandai Namco, uh, that could be really yeah. good. Yeah. Just that one picture up here. I heard I heard that Namco makes some, uh, some cool games, guys. I don't know if anybody knows any Namco games that have, uh, that have been made you know, some popular games. I'm just I, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of some. Um, among others, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the biggest it. ones. <laughs> so, yeah, no. Uh, it looks uh, cool. It does. It does indeed. Uh, so, they've announced that a new PC online action RPG called Blue Protocol, and you can see it's anime art style in the image above. The world is on the brink of devastation. Now is the time to unite, reads the game's description. March on with friends and strangers and defeat foes beyond your might. Travel through space and time to change the future beyond this fight. Uh, felt like I was forced to run there. Don't. I don't want to. So, I'm hoping that we're going to see a little bit more about Blue Protocol uh, in the upcoming weeks. Mm-hmm. We'll try and keep you apprised as much as possible because it looks like it could be something fantastic. Something real good. Alright, our next one. Gloomhaven gets an early access teaser ahead of launch. 
Apparently, Gloomhaven, if those who are unaware, is a tabletop game. I figured Mr. Scotty over there would enjoy hearing about mm-hmm. this. Oh, good. So is this going to be just the PC relaunch of it? It looks like it. Oh. Yeah, apparently it's a pretty expensive board game as well. Gloomhaven, yeah. So they usually... Probably picking up like a new version of it, probably like $100. Hmm. Uh, Amazon has Gloomhaven up for $108. Okay, that's not too bad. It's actually on sale for $108. They normally run for $140. But you also have to understand, Gloomhaven is a massive, massive board game. Oh, yeah. So anyone who has played Gloomhaven, you will be getting a new game. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, for early access, so keep on the lookout for that. <clears throat> it's a tactical dungeon crawler, and one of the best board games around, where you'll need to put together a band of reckless mercenaries and send them down to the depths of unwelcoming dungeons in the name of loot and adventure. Mostly loot, which means it sounds like a game I would love to play. Mm-hmm. I it's, I've played it, I've played it, like, I want to say two or three times, and, uh, it's a little convoluted at times, but it's it's a really, 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 really good board game. Alright, so... Procedurally... Procedurally sliced pizza RPG, no delivery, has an unsettling free demo. What? What? Apparently, this is a horror game. Here we go. Let's see the trailer for it real quick. Okay. We no delivery. Apparently people are against pizza. Man, that cheese pizza's been sitting in the heat lamp for a while. Yeah, that's why I, I like pizza like that, to be honest with you. Like burnt the burnt cheese on the top. No, don't burn it. Keep it gooey. Oh. So I do like the style of it. Don't get me wrong. It just looks like it's a creepy game. Apparently, you die repeatedly in it. High employee turnover rate. (laughs) Now available on itch.io. Okay. So you play as a series of employees tasked with investigating the establishment, usually dying as a result. Uh, if one of them pegs it, you're always uh, there's always another human or animal waiting to take their place. From mostly top-down perspective, you'll creep from room to room as the game presents you with special events with occasional bouts of turn-based combat. No delivery doesn't mess around with its battles, which are horribly tough from the get-go. In fact, I had to escape from every one of them. So low were the odds I'd defeat even a single monster. I haven't seen the end of it, but as far as I can tell, this demo is for, for the in-development game seems to be pretty sizable. If you're exhausted with uh, the Freddy series, 
or you're simply on the lookout for a vaguely Shin Megami Tensei-ish horror RPG, no delivery is a no-brainer. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'll give it a try. What, what was the, the website again? It was uh, itch.io? Yeah. Right, I'll have to give it a try. Cool. Scott's going to try a new game for us. Alright, our last bit of news is can an $80 HDMI dongle actually do post-processing for your GPU? <laughs> Alright, this is the same company that built a right. $120 HDMI cable with a built-in processing chip to make games look better. This time it has a $99 M Classic dongle, which is headed to Kickstarter with some big and interesting claims. PC gamers are able to upgrade their graphics cards, while console gamers have been limited by locked hardware. Not anymore. The M Classic is here to be the world's first add-on graphics processor for video game consoles. I... I don't want to be that kind of negative Nelly, but... Uh, how... It sounds like it's a scaler. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I of the dongle is Mercedes VTV 1224 chip and a 4K Chrome of 4x4x4 scaler processor. Now, I work in the cable industry, and we, we've got some new 4K boxes that have scalers in them. And let me tell you, I've never seen 1080p video ever look as good as I have on one of these boxes. And apparently it's because of the scalers that are in them. So it could be something worth looking into. But if it's something that's either bit uh, important enough to make a difference, it's going to become mainstream. So these dongles will be good for a couple of years, and then everything's going to have these scalers so how, that are better. How, how quickly will gaming companies like Nintendo, who is very, very protective of their of their consoles, how or the, the, their consoles and their IPs, how quickly will they be able to go, oh, well, these guys are doing this and they're making a profit, making our systems better, we should just do the same and sell it with our stuff or as an option to our stuff. M-Classic's patented technology redraws every single pixel on the fly at 120 FPS with near zero latency and eliminates jagged edges that are smoothed over by our advanced anti-aliasing algorithm. Huh. I mean, how, how much are they looking to, to charge for it? They said, what, $80? Oh, I'm trying to move the fucking thing here, but it's like, listen, boss, <laughs> stop. Why can't I move the goddamn page? There, Jesus, that took fucking so much effort just then. Goddamn. We don't want you to read more. The bad parts are coming. Uh, so apparently they are mostly marketing this to console gamers. Plugs into your Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, or any number of retro game consoles and acts as a powered HDMI in between for your game system and TV. Even though it's intended for game consoles, uh, they asked if it can be used to play PC games, basically a souped-up HDMI dongle, so in theory it should work. And they say yes, it can, you can use it to see immediate results if you're streaming. I mean, I guess so. I mean, I mean, 
I kind of do the same thing by having like a like a separate SSD for my PC. So it's the I same guess. reason why people get lag when they're using a capture card because it's not being powered. The the it's basically drawing on your computer or you know whatever you're hooking it up to to do that extra work for it. So it's right. basically a pass through more than anything else. So the capture card it isn't literally not really doing much for you except going turning your you know weird little you know N64 thing that goes in the back there and your RCA that turns into USB. That that's all that a capture card is really doing. I mean, is there bundled like software and stuff for it? Yes. Like, don't get me wrong, that does some minimal stuff for it. But these powered things actually have the power to give you this zero latency. That's the reason why that that's the case. If it if it wasn't powered, there wouldn't be this zero latency whatsoever. They, they would definitely have lag. Makes sense. I mean, right. it, it, it's like it's an interesting concept. I would like to see it, I would like to see it in actual application before I would consider and you know actually purchasing. You know what I'm saying. God damn it! What's the fuck this thing was? All right, so we're gonna move on to our Kickstarters now. Okay. First up, this is actually kind of cool looking. It's called Skatebird. It'd be a skateboarding bird. It couldn't even say skateboarding board. Uh, Kickflip over staplers. So basically, you're a bird on a little tiny sta skateboard, skating through like rooms and stuff. It's already been backed by 1,900 people. It has eight days to go. They were looking for 26,000. They have almost 66. Hey, so, Stephen, uh, do I get to play as Tony Hawk? I'm gonna play as Tony Hawk. Look at that fucking face, but <laughs> don't raise your eyebrow at me. <laughs> I, it... Whoa! It's a game about trying your best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that the fucking bird flaps its wings and everything. <laughs> but it does seem jagged when you go up on a lip, though. It looks super. I, oh, oh, eight shit. This is so ridiculous. It is, I know, but it looks awesome this is too. This so ridiculous and I really want to play it. Uh, yeah. This is, this is so dumb. This <laughs> is so dumb. But you have to understand something about me, okay? Uh, I'm not like, I'm not a skateboarding kind of guy, but... And I, I think I've played Tony Hawk's any Tony Hawk's game maybe once ever. But I really like birds, <laughs> and um, this looks like fun, honestly. Like even if they weren't birds, it just well, it shit. <laughs> you know, I've played is, a few Tony Hawk games, and uh, I is, it's them. silly, and I there's a de there's a demo. Oh, apparently people really wanted to pet the bird. You can pet the bird? You can probably go in and, like, use your mouse or something to just, like, pet it or something. Petting burb should be possible. It's important. What? 
You can pet the bird. So it looks like... Uh, Super creative bird. It looks like you'll be able to get a digital copy for $15 from Steam, which is not bad at all. Oh, there it is. Petting the bird. It doesn't look creepy at all. No, it doesn't. It's like fucking master hand. <laughs> You're just waiting something for something bad to happen. Like, turn into a gun. Laser, laser starts shooting out. It's like <laughs> annihilated. Oh, man. No burbs are uh, in this game. No burbs. Oh, my God. Yeah, I would play this. Yes, I would. I would absolutely play this. This, <laughs> this sounded like such a stupid idea to start with, and I was like, oh, Tony Hawk. Uh -huh. And now I'm like, but I want the burbs now. <laughs> oh, look, you can give them different hats. Hell yeah. Yo, so, I want a bird with a fez. I want a little finch with a fez. Eventually, like, we will all be able to play this, everybody, because it's already been back, so we're good to go. Just wanted to show you guys a cool little Kickstarter. And I'm pretty sure most of the ones that I'm looking at are, are pretty much good to go, so. Oh. Next one up is Away, the survival series, an animal adventure game. Uh, they were looking for 60,000, or almost up to 76. They're already back. I think I've actually, I think I accidentally have seen this already. They're from Montreal, Canada. Yeah, go Canada. Uh, 24 days to go, so they got back fast. Yeah, they did. Super fast. Well, it looks like it's high-end graphics. Well, high-end graphics-ish. Let's go, Super Raccoon Simulator. Those aren't raccoons. Whoa. Okay. Oh, this is... Uh, Whoa! Are you shitting me? Dude. Oh, they're, they're, oh, oh dude. Oh, my one? God. Yeah, okay. Uh, I want to play this now. Yeah, I want to play this. I There's no doubt in my mind that I want to play this. I get to explore a world as something that small? Yes, please. And I can fly? Oh. All right. Sugar gliders? Is that what those are? It's something similar to... Oh, shit. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, my... Dude. What? Yeah, I think they're sugar sugar gliders. Okay, now I can see why this got backed. Oh, so it, it, there's gonna be like a little section where like you're trying to survive like a forest fire and stuff like that. Oh, spider! Uh, mandatory spider boss. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I love how this looks. It looks so good. This is not what I thought it was, by the way. I apologize. I would play the shit out of this. Oh, there's a raccoon. Whoa, you're not much bigger than an ant? Oh, wow, and you have to hide away from big predators and stuff, too? Oh, this is so cool. It is a sugar glider, okay. Yeah. yeah, this is this yeah, I'm looking forward to this as well. This is fantastic. Right? Wait. Okay, you're just looking at other animals, I guess. That's still pretty crazy looking at Jesus. Right? Yeah, I wanna play this. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. 
Well, they're already back, so you know you get there. $25 for a digital copy of the game. I will end up getting this game when it comes out, for sure. Dolphinately. Ha ha ha! Oh, it's just animal puns all day wow. long for us. Wow, wow, wow. Oh my god. No wonder they got back so fast. Holy shit. Holy. And it keeps going. That That's all their backers. They're all the people who featured them. That's it? Man. Oh. All right. Well, yeah. good job, because... Yeah, no joke. Yeah, I don't wish this on scene. <laughs> Done. Don't even have to ask me. Uh, everyone else who does a Kickstarter, throw one of these fucking things on there. What are yeah, you right? doing? I, I, this is the first one I think I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, agreed. So, yeah, keep that coming. Anyways, yeah, there's some other cool uh, incentives they got over here. Premium glider. Exclusive sugar glider skins. Aww. Grieved a monument in the game for the world's lost heroes. Jesus, postcard from the dev team credited as a premium backer. So let's see what their, their top tier is. Jesus, fifteen hundred, five thousand. Getting sent, getting sent an actual sugar glider. Wait, what? Oh, fuck, Scott. Design side quest, studio invitation. Oh, that'd be so cool. I'd go to Montreal for that. Would you? Wow, twenty-five copies to just give really? random people. Huh. Damn. Game. You know. It's a lot of copies. Yeah, really though. Picture of your pet in the game, sun, hardcover, art book, sun, poster, limited collector's edition, uh, design your own sugar glider skin, statue of your head in the game, monthly video calls to the dev team, design a site. See, how awkward would that be though? Monthly video call. Oh, hey guys, you guys are working on the game again? Yeah. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. Show me all the new stuff. Oh, we can't. Oh. Uh, uh, why, aren't you wearing any, why aren't you wearing any pants? So what did you eat today? <laughs> what do you yeah, eat later? I, I, uh, that'd be, I, I think that just random calls to people would be so awkward. But I mean, maybe other right. people fucking love that shit. I guess. Just, nah, I'm okay with that. Invitation to spend a day at our studio, design a side quest, uh, naming credits as development collaborator. Yeah, no, there this game go. looks pretty cool. I like it. I like that there's so much exploration. And the fucking being able to jump and like fly around, oh, so awesome. Damn. All, some of these rewards are all gone. The, the 40 and 60 and $80 rewards are all gone. $120 rewards are gone. $200 rewards are gone. $400. What? Wow. Only available for 24 hours. Get everything in the Diamond Glider Reward Tier plus three bonus animal games. Huh? I'm confused. Anyways, doesn't matter. Moving on. Next Kickstarter is, ooh, Evan's Remains, a mystery adventure that merges puzzles with visual novel elements. Now, again, like I said before, I don't mind visual novels as long as there's still some good gameplay. As long as you advertise the fact that you are a visual novel. That's exactly the other thing. 
They're looking for 13,000. They're almost up to eight. They have 17 days to go. They're almost back, so we can help get them there. Uh, coming out of Erie, Pennsylvania. Ooh. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. But it's like four and a half, five hours from my house. Ooh, that animation looks very familiar. Oh, wow. Oh, that looks good. Yeah, it does. Oh, dude. Uh, what does this remind me of? Like, Celeste. Reminds me a little bit of Treasure Adventure game. That too, yeah. Is that an old world gamer sticker? Looks beautiful graphically. Yeah, this is... Um, I'm loving the graphics. I just hope there's lots of platforming stuff in there. Shoot to kill me. Okay. Hmm. Oh, wow, Argentina. Oh, he was that eerie. That's what it said, unless he moved there? I don't know. We'll see in a second. Or maybe they went went there for some stuff. I don't know. We'll find out in a moment. Oh, maybe he came to Erie to do his studying for this? Really developing it. This is one guy's work, by the way. I'm really surprised that this is like a single guy doing all of this. This looks nice though. Yeah, it does. Oh, there's more to the puzzles than this though. I mean, I don't mind puzzles and stuff, but... Definitely does need to be like... I'm sure that like they're only showing just small portions of Yeah. Yeah, it looks alright. I really like the style. It's really nice. Right. So, yeah, uh, just about 8,000 of what they're looking for. They got 17 days left, so. Yeah. Plenty of time for you guys to get out there and uh, show some support if you like, if you like games like that. Oh, wow. They're only looking for $7 for a copy. Here's what it looks really? like. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty good. On any, uh, on whatever platform, I guess, it says preferred platform, so I assume there must be a couple other platforms I'm going to do it for. <laughs> Not bad. $7 is a pretty good price tag or something that looks as nice as that. Mm-hmm. But again, at least he's saying as well that it is a visual novel of sorts as well. Uh, lot simultaneously in late 2020. May 2020 on Switch, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC via Steam and DRM free platforms. Wow, so that's yeah, he's going to full 
He's learning how to do all of them at the same time, so that's good for him. Nice. So let's see what his top donation is. Oh, three awards no longer available for $500. Wow. So three secret characters in the game from backers have been already fully been taken. All right, and the last game, last Kickstarter we're going to look at tonight. It's called Orange Island, an action-adventure RPG with heart. It also had this, and I was all like, yeah, i got to check this out. It's coming on Nintendo Kart, I has to see. They're looking for 24960 So 25000 they got about 38000 They've already met their goal. 23 days to go. Out of London, UK. Let's have a look. Oh. Beautiful sunsets, a long day's reward. What a terrible night for a curse, is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> no, what a fantastic sunset for a good day. Is that what you're trying to tell me right now? <laughs> Whoa! There's some shoot em ups and some platform stuffs. Yeah. It's that orange? Yeah. Yeah, he's like Super Mario 2. He's fighting on a bird. Hmm. Oh, damn. To the moon and back. Whoa. Final Fantasy 4 up in this BR. <laughs> Look at that. Where are you? You are dying on the moon. Where Where am I? I'm in DuckTales. Because you can't breathe. Unless <laughs> it's DuckTales. Then you can breathe anywhere. Or hold your breath very long underwater until you can make it to the surface. I like the fact that it has like the uniquely colored NES card. Yeah, I like that uh, pink card. That's actually kind of nice. Right? You know, for a game name, what the hell would they put in a pink? What yeah, you just, I don't like, know. You know uh, maybe because it's all females? I Maybe? I don't Are they? For artifacts and utilize magic powers on a mysterious pastel cute island in this cute 8 bit platformer. So, yeah, I feel confident this is going to be fucking fantastic as well. Alright. Uh, how much is it for the game? Pretty good, so. $17 for a digital copy. Huh. Oh, but wait, no, what about. No, it wasn't. No, don't, don't tease me. Oh, enough for a true humble NES port. Dude, come on now. I want one of them. Don't you fucking... Don't tease me with a pink NES card and tell me I can't have one. <laughs> Jesus. Well, they, we're going to single-handedly help them get that. So. Apparently. It's going to be need... us that gets, that gets them there. Hey, I need that. I need that the, the, the Retro Indie Pixels podcast talked about our game, and now we've made thousand billion dollars and now we're gonna get our NES cartridge. 
seems like, wow, they only went up as far as 500. They had quite a few different uh, items listed there. Oh, damn, look at all this stuff. Digital copy of the game for PS4 or Switch. Stretch goal reward physical vinyl. Stretch goal reward physical game instruction manual. Stretch. Like, that's really cool that they're saying, like, yeah, if by some chance we also reach a stretch goal, you'll also get this as part of your, like, backer reward incentive. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Looks like a game. Oh, oh this is a god. Did you actually have one? Where is it? Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> they have it. Whatever uh, it is. So this is it here. 34,000. Oh, come on. You gotta get him to 34,000. Oh, don't. Oh. How close were they? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. 38,000 Canadian. Oh, that's, that's laws. Oh, that's Canadian. Hold on. Uh, let me, let me check the American. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Orange Island, they want 34,000 for the cart. Yeah. And it is at 29,000. So they are very, they're actually very close. Uh, they're, uh, less okay, than... so they got this dude doing the two songs, but I really want to. Get... Oh, <laughs> he wants the pink cartridge. I really, I really do. And if it comes in a box and everything too, again, I'm just going over the corner and touch myself. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to be truthful. All right. Well, Scott. And it looks like that's the end of the podcast, dude. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you for everybody who uh, stopped by this afternoon. Hit us up in chat. We appreciate you guys being here. Indeed. Also, a uh, big shout-out to uh, all the websites that we're using, especially uh, Indie. Uh, let me just double-check that again, because I don't want to screw up their fucking name. Let's, let's not, let's not <laughs> miss anybody. Indie Retro News. Uh, Nintendo Life. Uh, GameSpot Vintage is the old is the new old. Uh, PC Gamer, and of course Kickstarter. Uh, also, a huge shout out to our new listeners on Spotify. Thank you very mm -hmm. much for uh, finding us on that uh, platform, and hopefully we can keep you interested and in listening every week. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and everybody else out there on Twitch and any other platform you're listening on, uh, Shout Engine. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you're getting it from. Thank you for listening and uh, and joining us every week. We mm -hmm. deeply appreciate it. And uh, for, for for future podcasts, we're looking to uh, throw in a section where we are going to have a uh, subject matter discussion. And if you guys mm -hmm. would like to hear us talk about any specific gaming subject matter, feel free to hit us up on all the platforms that we have and. Uh, if we uh, give the subject we're interested in, we'll, uh, we'll give you a shout-out on it, too. Indeed. Indeed, Professor Pervert. All mm. right, so, uh, seeing as we talked about this person... Oh, did they stop streaming as soon as I... Oh, they did. No! They just stopped streaming as we went <laughs> As soon as I was like, I'm going to host you, and he's like, nah, I'm out of here. All right, all right, <laughs> fine. Let's host up... Uh, Boys and girls, he is 
playing retro. That is, what other things are you playing? Poison Factor. I'm not sure what that is. But we'll find out when we get over there. Again, mm -hmm. thank you all for watching. We'll see you again next week. Have yourselves a good week. Cheers, mates.